Good evening, lunatics. Larry's in Vegas put, uh, putting the blackjack tables out of business. Justin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you for stepping in um, as an honorary lunatic um, while Larry is off doing whatever he's doing in Vegas. I've, I've always heard it said, whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, so we'll just let him at it. I know he loves that blackjack, though. Um, <clears throat> so I think we should start with kind of an introduction because I'm aware of freight waves and what the truck and I've met a bunch of the people down there and I'm aware of you, but I think let's start with giving the audience, um, kind of who you are and how you got here and how'd you get hooked up with freight waves and, and go from there. Yeah. So, uh, my name is Justin Martin. I was a driver over the road. Uh, well, my entire driving career in a couple of 15 years, I started in 2007. Um, I did OTR for seven, eight years. Um, I started at a mega carrier Schneider, uh, back when they still did new driver, uh, CDL training. Been there. Um, and do they not do that anymore? No, they don't. Um, really? yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think not long after I, I left them, um, they, they stopped doing that, which is a, sh a real shame because, um, they had pretty good training at the time mm -hmm. and even better training back in the past. My, my dad started with Schneider back in 92 and that was oh, back wow. in the days when they still had the skid pad. You ever hear about that? Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> did um, they, did they still show the video of that guy? that wisconsin guy talking about you got a deep clutch no no you know I, I, I can imagine my, my dad said he would he would get yelled at by the instructor because he would feather the, the the steering wheel and it wouldn't jackknife and the guy's like no 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 you gotta crank it so it's because <laughs> they want you to jackknife it to you yeah so you get the you get the feeling of it and um now so sadly that was gone the rumors were either the water bill was killing them or the town was complaining because the water pressure would die Every oh, time they fired yeah. it up. <laughs> so by the time I went there, when I started in 2007, they had the, the, the simulators. Um, oh, okay. And they're like a complete joke compared to oh, like yeah. just the I, video, just a video game, not even actual simulator, but just the video games they got nowadays. I did the, I did the simulator with Landstar one time and it mm. was, it was a joke. I mean, it doesn't even feel like you're driving anything and I'm trying to control this thing and I'm like running over people and, and and fences and stuff and she's like yeah that's fine just just and i'm like th this was a complete waste of time yeah um i drove for schneider in 07 let's think that i started i went back on the road in november of 06 and drove for schneider through about i want to say march of 08 uh, so okay. I, was, I guess i was there at the same time that you were um, yeah where were you based out of i lived in columbus um, so I did OTR. I went to Evergreen, Alabama, uh, out of orientation and picked up my truck at the old Landstar pool yard that they had bought. They had just bought Landstar pool and they sent me down to Evergreen to pick up my truck. And then I ran OTR. Uh, and then I did dollar general out of Zanesville, mm. which was a nightmare. Uh, those I every, bet those are all rough accounts. I bet I am still banned from the Zanesville dollar general. I'm probably oh, wow. still not allowed on the property. Um, <laughs> and uh, then I ran team with my cousin for a while. And then we moved to Columbus and I did a Sears dedicated deal, uh, like on lawnmowers and stuff. And then I went to work for a local company. But I, at that time, I really couldn't say anything bad about Schneider. Um, you know, one of the interesting things about <clears throat> the good old days, um, I started, my first company didn't have a Qualcomm or anything. 
So I got it. I got just the littlest taste of what that was like where it was pay phones, you know, yeah. and there was no communication in the truck. And I went to Schneider and they had this micro, micro 18. You remember micro yeah, 18? I, I couldn't remember the, the numbers, but as soon as you said macro, I just got hit with like a wave. Of yeah, numbers. micro 18. <laughs> and what was so funny about that is, you know, I, I remember one time setting at probably Carlisle at the, what do they call them, operating center? Uh, OCs, yep. OC, I was sitting at Carlisle. No, it <clears> must have been Charlotte. Anyway, it was one of the places where they had the driver training. And this brand new kid just come out of the school and I think he had just got done with his trainer and we're chatting and he's like, uh, well, do you have any advice for you? And I said, yes, yeah, stay out of this room. Okay. Because the bullshit is about four feet deep. Okay. And you can't avoid it. And so if don't believe anything you hear from anybody in this room and he just kind of looked at me, he's like, but what about you? And I'm like, well, I'm just telling <laughs> you, okay. Truck drivers will lie to you, especially when they figure out that you're new. So just stay away from that. Mm -hmm. um, now, a friend of mine was in a situation. We did an episode about this moons ago. Uh, it's called Highway Refugee. Was it good one? Look it up. But he, you know, went going through a divorce and was basically homeless and um, had went to work for a Landstar BCO that was a you know a disaster. And uh, and I'm like, well, dude, just Swift Schneider, whoever. I mean, you need you need a place to live and you need money. And um, Schneider told him like, and this was 17, that you had to sign this pledge that you would not use your cell phone or mm. you're not even Bluetooth. And he's like, well, I'm not, I'm not doing that. And they're like, well, you can't come here. Um, and uh, he went to Swift who apparently doesn't care. Um, but I, you know, and when my truck blew up, I, I was a BCO at Landstar from uh, 2014 to 2017 and my truck blew up and I failed. And, uh I was on the phone with a Swift recruiter before the shop even told me what was wrong with the truck because I just knew I like, I need money. I have a CDL. Yeah. I'll go down for Swift. Maybe I'll be a trainer. Maybe I, you know, um, I, and I was there for 30 days and lived to tell about it. Um, so you, you, you were started at Schneider and you did yeah. seven years and then, and then, Oh no, 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 no. I'm saying I, my OTR was seven years. I only stayed at Schneider for, um, the 18 months. I paid off my, my CDL training, moved back to Florida um, and wouldn't you know it, it was right in the middle of like the worst recession <laughs> we've, we've seen. Oh, so yeah. I went from driving for a large mega carrier to this guy called himself Sawgrass Transport. He owned two, two power units, um, down in Loxatchee, Florida. He drove one, I drove the other. And it was like going from one end of the spectrum to the other in the trucking industry. Um, you know, you're not, you're not just a number. Um, but at the same time, trying to get a paycheck out of that guy was like pulling teeth. Um, <laughs> yeah. His truck was um, just an absolute. Um, do you do you allow swearing on your on your stream? No, go ahead. It was an absolute pile of shit. Um, mm -hmm. It was a Freightliner Columbia, I believe, and the headlights were just completely smoked out. Like you couldn't <laughs> you couldn't drive at night with the thing, and he wouldn't believe me. Um, and then we did a load together, and, and he tried to go through West Virginia uh, with them, and he was like, "Yeah, we got to fix these headlights." Um, then I, then we did a load together and he never paid me. So I just stopped driving. I, I quit driving for a period of about three, four months. I worked at target, um, stocking the shelves in the freezer and, um, just losing my mind working. It was that time in Florida was very common where a lot of people came from construction, housing, et cetera, 
and then everything went bust. And then so they all they all went to retail. Mm-hmm. You know, you're working at Target, Walmart, you name it. Everybody there had a, a stellar um, resume. You know, either they were doctors or lawyers or whatever, and now they're you know working retail stock and shelves. Um, and then this dream dream job just like fell out of the sky and landed in my lap. I went to high school with this kid Ryan. His dad was um, a driver for this company, uh, Green Valley Transportation out of um, Tracy, California. And they're a DOD contractor. They haul military mm. freight and they're team only. And so you got to have a security clearance, got to pass the background check, all that good stuff. And um, the guy that he was driving with wanted to bring his wife on board and split off to be their own team. So that was leaving Ryan's dad without a co-driver. And his dad asked him if he knew any drivers down, down in Florida and he's like, oh, yeah, let me call my friend Justin. We, we went to high school together. So he messaged me on Facebook and he's like, hey, do you want to meet my dad? Uh, he's looking for a new co-driver, blah, blah, blah. And like I wasn't taking any of it seriously because I had no idea what the hell he was talking about. Yeah. So we, we meet up at a bar in, in Palm Beach, Florida. And over a couple of beers, he explains the job to me, um, what he does. He says, like, we stay out for four weeks. We go home for a week. We could stay out longer and make more money. He's like, but I, you know, I got a girlfriend here. I want to, you know, try and balance, you know, the, the home, home life with uh, the work life. I said, okay, we'll try it. And man, yeah, that kicked off the next two years of the best driving I'd ever did. And then he retired and I brought my dad on to drive with me because he's retired Air Force and he was trying to get back into truck driving and nobody would hire him because he hadn't driven in probably 10, 15. He could drive just fine, mm-hmm. but everybody at the time was looking for you know experienced, <clears throat> recent experienced drivers. And uh, so he's retired Air Force and that made getting on bases a lot easier. Because mm-hmm. you just show your military ID and they're like, oh, welcome back, Master Sergeant. Come on in. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, we did that for a few years and we were so close. We were all, all the teams that we were kind of like the, the Landstar teams, every Landstar truck we ever ran across hauling that stuff was just like palaces on wheels. Mm-hmm. And we were like, that's that's a bit much for us. But all the FedEx custom critical teams that we would talk to, they were all recent retired military couples that were just kind of like living out the twilight years of their life, hauling, you know, good freight, you know in those like nice little expedited trucks that you can fit anywhere. And yeah. so we were, we were like, okay, let's, let's, let's take a look at that. So we, um, <clears throat> we approached our boss, Steve, about buying a truck like that and leasing on to green Valley. And he's like, nah, I like driving the, he, he likes to do the, what they call drum trains where you have one dramatory box on the frame of the truck. And then you either have a van trailer or a flatbed with like six, seven or eight uh, dramatory boxes on the flatbed. And that's, that's how they make their money. Cause they can, they can cram multiple yeah. loads on that. And, um, you know, one load will pay for the fuel and the rest of it's just, you know, money in their pocket. And so we, we told him that we wanted to try the, uh, the expedited van and he's like, nah. So we, we were kind of looking for an exit. Uh, and then just by happenstance, I had some friends in Philadelphia that offered me a room at, at their place for rent. Uh, so I took it and I switched from OTR to finding a more local route. I did, um, two, two days at this company called new century transport. Uh, right there uh, outside of Philadelphia, mm-hmm. they're no, they no longer exist. They were an LTL mm-hmm. company. Yeah. They took they took really good care of the drivers, but man, that was some hard. Like every day, you're going from Philly uh, up up to New York City, up in the boroughs. Like that that's some that's some rough driving up there. Every day is a 15, 15 16 hour day. So I, mm-hmm. I kind of saw the writing on the wall with that. Uh, then I worked out of the Packer Terminal in Philly for a bit, hauling cans, you know, just across the street. That was also like, you know, just it made you want to put a gun to your head. Cause that kind of job you could, you were paid by the trip. So you mm-hmm. could come in, bang out 10 trips a day and then come in the next day and maybe do two trips. And it was all out of your control. Mm-hmm. Either the traffic sucked or every container 
chassis that you picked up had a flat tire that you'd get fixed so that, that all those like if if i'm doing something that's like impacting my pay that's fine but if my pay is being impacted by stuff out of my control like that just that would drive yeah. anybody nuts yeah um so i left that and um i found a job driving for a mail contractor on craigslist i drove for um at the time they were called uh, pat um pat solomon and companies mm-hmm. um they're basically they were they're, they're the little they're the largest mail contractor in the country and basically they're just like a, a, a conglomeration of all the smaller carriers that they got pulled in and they've only gotten bigger uh since i left i drove for them for three years uh then i drove for another contractor called bean brothers um they, they no longer exist. <laughs> and then uh, uh, the last five years I was driving, I was actually at the post office, postal service. Okay. Um, hauling hauling uh, trucks for them. So what are you, are you driving now? Or are you just doing? No, I, I jokingly say I drive a desk. Um, okay. While I was as, at the, post- <laughs> while I was at the postal service, I, I kind of settled in. Like I had enough seniority. I had a really good route. I had weekends off, um, good benefits, decent pay. And then um, I saw this post on Twitter by Dooner one day that was like, hey, are you a truck driver? Uh, can you edit videos and can you make memes? And I was like, that sounds like me. So I messaged him and he's like, you're perfect. That's your exact what I'm looking for. And I said, I don't believe you. So <laughs> I applied and um, yeah, it's been it, it's been a wild ride since. He's, he's been a really good um, mentor, boss, you, know, you name it. Um, Have you ever considered or, or given any thought to maybe – a couple of drops of Valium in his coffee, like just, you know, <laughs> no, 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 no. The, 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 that guy can bring the energy. Like he's, he's just hype, hype, hype. I wish, I wish I had that kind of energy on there. I, I could be like that off air. No problem. Yeah. But yeah. Being, being in front of the camera was like really not like what I was interested. Like I had zero interest whatsoever being in front of the camera, but it was like second day on the job. He's like, Hey, you're, you're coming up on uh, on Wednesday. Come on the show. I'm like, Oh crap. Um, he was also instrumental in pushing me on to TikTok too. Like I didn't really didn't want to do any TikToks, uh, with the face. And the first one I did, um, I had like 70,000 views in like the first day. And I had to, I had to sit back and think like, okay, either I did something brilliant or I did something absolutely stupid because mm-hmm. nobody goes that viral, like on accident. And yeah. I'm, I'm sure you've, you've seen how it works. It's basically, as long as you're talking about a topic that had get that we call it heat, you know, anything that gets a lot of heat. Um, I was talking about a driver, um, he had a heart attack or some kind of heart issue, um, blamed it on sleep, um, drove across the street and killed a family. And then the company got hit with a nuclear verdict and they're mm-hmm. out of business. All I did was I took a screenshot of that article and then put my green, my face on there with a green screen filter. And I said, Hey guys, this is why you gotta like check your sleep, you know, get, get good with your health. Um, you know, you're not just putting your, uh, career at risk. You're risking the entire co- company too. And people just like blew up in the comments saying like, you know, you know what you either, either you don't know what you're talking about or that guy's an idiot. Basically anything you can get less like polarizing. Yeah. Um, the algorithm apparently loves it. Pretty much everything that we do is polarizing. Oh and, yeah. And, yeah. Um, and Larry has a gift, you know, of, of pissing people off. <laughs> um, our, our prop, the, the one we've started the most trouble up with was, we, we were at the end of a show and it was probably five or six weeks ago and all of the broker heat had started. Rates are coming down. Everybody's blaming the broker, 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 broker. And Larry just casually says, well, you know, why the, you know why these truck drivers hate these brokers, don't you? It's because the brokers are better at their job than the truck drivers are at theirs. Mm, 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 mm. Oh, and I, it's so not even thinking about it. I'm like, Oh, 
that's a spicy little clip. I just dropped yeah. that on top. Holy shit. It went, but, and what was funny was at the beginning, everybody's like, this guy's a broker. And I'm going, no, we're a fleet of trucks, but we don't, you know, we don't blame others for our mistakes or our successes. Um, and, and then, and then Anique Lesage from small world, uh, ventures down in Florida, uh, she pissed a bunch of people off and I'm like, Hey, let's get together. So I had her as a co-host and, um, <laughs> you know, so, um, but, uh, it's, it's been a, it's funny because I, I only had a TikTok account because Trump had threatened to ban it. Like, mm. what was that? Three years ago? Yeah. And my my profile, this was my profile picture, right? And that's the only reason I got to, I had never scrolled. I had never, I just, oh, Trump threatened to ban it. And I, so I made one, right? And then, and then I didn't do anything with it. Uh, and then one day I just opened it up and I started scrolling. Of course, if you're 47 and starting a TikTok account, you have to break the algorithm because it's nothing but boobs, you know? That's 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 it. It's just you know TikTok and titties, and then finally you can like start looking at other content, and it finally breaks the algorithm. I, I um, you're right. I, I got to retrain mine again. I don't know why. It's like every month. At the, it's like the beginning of the month or something. It um like when I go to like the following page, I know exactly what I'm getting. It's it's all drivers. It's people I follow. They're great guys. But when I go to the for you page now, it's just like whatever the top viral trending stuff is. Mm-hmm. It's like. I don't care about a video that went viral two years ago. So I'm constantly telling it, not interested, not interested, not interested. Um, the other thing too, is like, because this isn't like really my account, it's like the company account. Mm-hmm. I, I think it kind of like has to try and guess like who's watching yeah. it at any given time. So who knows? Yeah. But it's such a, once I started consuming, I went, wow, what an amazing platform because you were hearing conversations take place. Yes that don't happen anywhere else. You yeah. know, uh, there was one funny thing a lady did this probably three or four months ago. And she's like, if you want to see the difference between meta properties, TikTok, and Twitter, go search France. And so she mm-hmm. went, she searched France on Instagram and it was just art and architecture yeah. and, and same thing on Facebook and same thing. And then you went to TikTok and it was everything, all, all hell's breaking loose. Yeah. Buildings are on fire. People are riding in the streets. And she's like, "That's why TikTok's important." And I'm like, "Yeah, okay. no." The, the search is the search is what's killing uh, Google right now too, because um, you know people younger than us, rather than Google the hot restaurants in their area, they'll TikTok whatever the hot restaurants are in their area. And so rather than get like, so if you search for a restaurant on Google, you might have photos, you might see the reviews. Whereas if you're watching a TikTok of it, you see like the actual, you know, people always, when Instagram was like really big early on, people were always complaining about people like taking photos of their food and posting on Instagram. But now you have people that like take photos, the videos of the mm-hmm. restaurant. If you're going to one of those like restaurants where everything's like an experience or whatever, you got a, you know, a nicely produced TikTok that somebody probably made because they like being there or maybe they're like a paid uh, content creator. Yeah. But either way, that's where people are getting their search results is from now is, is uh, through TikTok. Yeah, it's it's fascinating that, I mean, we've been live on YouTube since about episode fifty-five, so a hundred and ten episodes now, and and almost every week, and we don't get near the engagement on YouTube that we do on TikTok. Um, um, it's crazy. 
I'm watching the comments here on like the the restream. This is a pretty slick little interface. And I like that it tells you like what um which program like all these people come from. So you got some some YouTube, some Facebook. Yeah. LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> Read, yeah. please advise. Yeah, which is weird. I saw <laughs> I saw somebody from LinkedIn. I'm like, where did that come from? I that was me. When it when it asked me to log in, it asked for oh, my okay. It asked for like all the different accounts I have. And okay. So I, plug, I plugged in LinkedIn and Twitter. And then of course, as soon as we went live, I get a text from Dooner and he's like, uh, what's going on? <laughs> Cause I, got, I, I didn't know this, but I guess we're streaming, we're streaming live on, on uh, Twitter. <laughs> yeah. One, one thing that's, that's one thing that I like about, we were using one called StreamYard, which was, was pretty good. I think I've I used some people with stream, but I was, I was having some issues with it. So I'm, I'm Googling around and, and, and I've, I found restream. And then, then I realized that like I can invite someone, then you can stream it to all of your channels if you want hmm. to, you know, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, you've you've been in about ten years less than I. I started in ninety seven, um, twenty one years old, didn't know nothing about nothing. Yeah, you know, and then uh, drove until two thousand two, um, and then swore I'd never drive again. I'm out. This is stupid. Uh, I think it would be funny to like poll truck drivers. How many times have you tried to quit? And wh- <laughs> and, and what are all the different things? I did satellite dish installs. Oh, wow. <laughs> I drove a school bus. Don't ever do that. Um, you know, trying to get out of it. And, and when, um, I, I came, I had, I had kind of left. And in 2010, I came back and I tried to have kind of a different attitude about it. And, and I, at that time, my belief was incorrectly, but my belief was the only way that I could elevate because we wanted to be a single income. I didn't want my, my wife to work. She wanted to homeschool the kids was I had to be an owner operator. And so I January 1st of 2011, I got on a bus and I rode to St. Cloud, Missouri and or, uh, Minnesota. And I did uh, two and a half years with Anderson trucking service, which was great. I learned a ton. I leased a truck from them. Uh, but unfortunately on the third lease, I got a 2011 Peterbilt that had emissions issues. And in seven months, it cost me fifty thousand dollars. That was that was right when like the DEF and all that came about. Mm, yeah, and nobody could fix it. I mean, we changed everything from the turbo to the tailpipe. Nothing ever fixed it. And um, I was in um, um, Council Bluff. Or I was in Des Moines, I think, or Council Bluffs or something up there. Anyway, I had had friends that had gone to Lone Mountain and got trucks and went to Landstar. And at that time, it was get a truck, go to Landstar. Get a truck, go to that's what you yeah. did. You got a truck, you went to Landstar. And um, and so I called over there because I had considered that this truck was broke down for the last time. Okay, I'm done breaking down this truck. And I called this this girl answered the phone and I said, "What's the oldest truck you got?" She said, "07 Freightliner." I said, "Darn, I'm on my way." And I I went over there. I looked at it. I signed the papers and took my truck back to Anderson and tried to lease on the Landstar. Didn't understand the gauntlet as we call it, Hmm. trying to get qualified for Landstar. So I took the truck back to Anderson and in 20, let me think about this in 2013, I did January to September in their truck. And I did September to December in my truck. I did $154,000 total total revenue 75 of it was in my truck october november december i hit the ground and then they had this weird 
somebody, uh, you know, you're walking the, wild, the aisles at Walmart and there will mm-hmm. be a cardboard thing that has deodorant on it or yeah. whatever, yeah. right? Well, some company was wanting to send these out to various Walmarts. It'd be one pallet. And they kept, they kept trying to use LTL, but LTL would do nothing but destroy it or lose it. Yeah. Best so Anderson, Anderson was like, here, we'll send a truck. You put 20 pallets or whatever on our truck and we'll go do the multi-stops. Well, hell, I was clearing six grand a week, you know, yeah. doing these multi-stop Walmart. It was, I mean, it was printing money. And finally in uh, April of 14, uh, I, I moved my truck to Landstar and, and had a great three years, uh, but found out the hard way in uh, April of 17 that I could book freight. I could run loads. I was excellent at that. I was great at making money. What I was terrible at was saving money hmm. and I wasn't running my business properly. And I had a second engine failure and the last one put me down. And so I went away and I'm like, okay, well, you know, this owner opera thing is done. Um, got a local job that I hated, you know, get, I, I would work 3 a.m. to 3 p.m. So I would have to get up at 1.30, drive up there, do my 12-hour shift, drive home, walk in the door, kiss the kids on the head, and go straight to bed, you know. So it was a, it was a worse existence than driving over the road. So yeah. in January of 18, I had this Jerry Maguire moment where I pulled my phone out of my pocket. It was like 4 a.m. I'm on a forklift. I'm freezing my ass off. I'm miserable. And I wrote this Facebook post, and I put it in a bunch of the Landstar groups, and it said, look, I killed the goose laying the golden eggs. I was a BCO. I had it like I liked it. I was making money, but I didn't prepare myself well. I didn't save money. I wasn't ready for when the bad things happened. So if you're reading this and you think that some – well, I'll – I'll get there someday. No, today it's right now because it wasn't Landstar's fault. It wasn't the agent's fault. It wasn't the president's fault. It wasn't the government's fault. It was me. I did it. I, I, I killed this business. It was me. I hit post and shoved my phone out of my pocket and think anything about it. Next day, my phone blows up. Hmm. I'm getting all these messages from all these BCOs. Come drive for me. I'm thinking, buddy, I wouldn't drive for you if you had the last truck on earth. Cause I know how y'all are. Y'all yeah. just as dumb as I was, you know, you don't have a real business. Well, Larry saw it and Larry's getting ready. He's done. You know, he's done dealing with truck drivers. He's, I don't know at that time, 50, 60 something years old. And he's like, screw this. I'm out. And he saw it. And he was like, well, this is, this is different. You know, this is a different attitude. So we got on the phone in five minutes of talking to him. I was like, holy shit, this is a businessman. Yeah. And he gave me the opportunity that I needed because we were about to get foreclosed on. I'm working 60 hours a week. Can't make the bills. I don't, I count not making enough money to dig us out of the hole that I'd made. And I thought I went back to my truck and I looked at my numbers and I thought, okay, well, if all I do is do for him and his truck, what I did for me and my truck at, at his pay rate, I'll double my income and double my income right now saves my house. So my wife and I went to meet him and he loved to put drivers on dedicated freight because he didn't have to mess with them. You know, yeah. he loved FedEx. And he's like, well, hey, I put this FedEx thing together for you. And I'm sitting there thinking, God, I hate dedicated, but I'm not going to complain because my broke ass is going to get foreclosed on if I don't take his job. So I met him in Indianapolis and um, we did our little orientation and, and we're walking through Walmart. And he goes, listen, I got some bad news. I'm like, what happened? He said, well, 
the dedicated thing I had put together for you has fallen apart. So I'm going to have to let you run mm. the board. I said, you bet your sweet ass old man, watch this. <laughs> and I mean, he's, he's taking wheelbarrows full of money to the bank. Cause I just, I went, I had like five loads booked before we left Walmart. And at that time, the rates were huge and it was three, yeah. $4 a mile. <laughs> and I mean, I went from being foreclosed on to like a month ahead in my bills in like six weeks. It was, it was insane. You got you what guys found doing. you guys found a really good yin and yang because I see this not just in trucking. It could be anything from web comics to um, you know animation to everything. Whenever you're trying to make something into a business, you, it usually takes two people and they have to be two totally opposite personality types. You have one mm-hmm. that's operational, and then you have one that's finance. Um, and I've seen this with you know I I, um, I believe you had uh, Mike Lombard on before. Mm-hmm. That's the situation he's in now. Mike is running the operations of the business, but then he has a business partner that the, deals with the finances. So I, I have full faith in everything he's doing. And you like Mike Lombard are both fans of extreme ownership. I don't know if, are you familiar with that? I am. I haven't Rune. read it, but I'm, but I'm, I'm yeah. familiar with it. You, you basically are exact what the exact principles of, of extreme ownership are. You, you took everything that you knew you did wrong and you blamed nobody but yourself. Yeah. And it, and 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 it was good because and something important Larry taught me is that you can never hire yourself. You know, he's yeah. a thirty plus year or forty plus year businessman, and you can't hire yourself. And when I came along, he kind of did that for the first time. And but, you know, when we're trying to bring people into our program to sh- to give them the opportunity to learn from us, we use the karate kid example, wax on, wax off, you know, just, just keep doing it, mm-hmm. you know, paint the fence, wax on, wax off side to side. If just keep doing it and we'll, we'll teach you the habits because it's a whole different set of, of ideals when you're an employee yeah. and when you're a business owner, you know, and I had, we had a new hire um, a couple weeks ago and I don't know, something happened. And he goes, uh, uh, he goes, well, I, you know, I told him to call you cause I'm just a truck driver. And I went, ho, 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 no, no, no. You stopped being just a truck driver when you came here. Right. This is how we, this is how we communicate. This is how we account. These are all of the things that we do because that's what business people do. Mm-hmm. And we don't, we don't do things from the standpoint of why a company driver would do it, which is just shut up and do what you're told. I have to get you to understand the why we do things. The how will work itself out because there could be five or six different hows. How, how do we do that? Oh, well, pick one. What's, what's the uh, success rate been on it? Like some, some people, that's all. I used to see this in the postal service all the time. And there's a reason why people flock to that is that's all they want. They don't want, right. all, all they want to do is come in, punch the clock, do eight hours. We call it eight and skate. You come mm-hmm. in, you do, you do shift, you go home. And that job is in the rearview mirror. Um, so what would you you say is like your, your success rate with that? Well, uh, last year was rough. Uh, we, we, we did not retain a single person that came to us in 2022. Wow. Um, now part of that was the market. And part of that was what we would do is we would bring you in for a weekend and we would kind of wine you and dine you and we would lay it all out here's what we do and here's why we do it. And here's how we do it and wish you the best of luck. You know, here's the loads. Well, that doesn't work. 
I mean, it, it, Landstar is such a different system than any company driver has ever experienced because it's, it's as close as you can get to having your own authority without having your own authority. A lot mm. of the, a lot of the day to day is very same. I'm calling somebody, I'm booking a load, but then I'm calling somebody else. I'm booking another load and two completely different people two completely different operations two completely different s- s- kinds of freight. And so we, we, sat down uh, at New Year's. We locked ourselves in a room for three days and we tried to identify the the failure points. And it was always trip planning because I can book you the best rates. You know, our, our average in May loaded mile was $3 and 28 cents with 16.8% deadhead. Mm -hmm. I can book the freight. Landstar's got the freight, but if you can't run it, if I can't hand you, Cause I've got to get them, you know, I, hell, right now I'm booking for next Friday. Yeah. You know, well, now, is, I, is, is that because you, you can see the load and you know exactly how you would run it and correct. you're, you know, I don't want to say you assume, but you would, you would think that somebody at whatever level they're at by the time they get to you would know how to run like that. Right. And so we have to introduce them to our friend, the BSE 9,000. This is the bullshit eliminator 9,000. Hmm. You have to do the math. Right. And so if you're going to get the best that Landstar has to offer, you've got to get it a week ahead of time. If you're looking for a load today, it's going to be spot market garbage paying $2. You know, you have to be looking ahead. And of course, I mean, we've spent a long time developing relationships with agents to, I mean, I can literally go, Hey, I don't even have to say my name, you know, they they know who I am. Right. (laughs) So, but I know who's got freight and I know who's, you know, I know where the preloaded stuff is. And, but if you can't, if I can't book a week ahead and then you can't trip plan it so that you know how to break or split break or whatever it is you've got to do to get these puzzle pieces to fit together, then the load, the, the trip is going to fall apart. And then when it does fall apart, now I'm trying to look for a load today and all I'm going to find is spot market garbage. Yeah. You know, so um, we sat down and we broke the program up into four phases. Phase one, I don't even give you a login to the board. I'm going to give you a load, a trip plan, a fuel routing. Just do what I say for six weeks. Then... The second six weeks, I give you a load, a login, and I say, okay, now here's the app. Here's you, you start picking your own fuel, you start doing your own trip plans. And then phase three, we bring them back for a second orientation. Now we're going to talk about a bunch of the philosophical stuff that didn't matter on day one. On day one, I need you to scan your fuel receipt, I need you to scan your paperwork, and I need you to deliver on time. So for six weeks, it's very, and we, we have a reduced revenue goal. Our, our, our goal is $8,000 a week. We reduce it to 6,000 for the first 12 weeks. So then I'm not trying to kill them because, you know, I can put an eight or $10,000 a week together and, it, and it'll just kill them, you know, yeah. because they, they're just not accustomed to what it takes to run an $8,000 a week. By the time they get to about week six, they're going, oh, okay, I, I kind of get, how to route and how to plan. And, but dude, the most shocking thing that I've experienced since we began this kind of formal training program is truck drivers experienced one year minimum OTR to come to Landstar. They don't know how to drive trucks. 
Yeah. I can't read a map. Can't yeah. scale. Don't even know what a cat scale is. I, I harp on the low quality training that happens nowadays harder than anyone mm-hmm. out there because we would see that in the postal service. We, we could post a job for a class A driver and we'd say, Oh, we'll leave it up for three days and we'll get maybe 180 applicants in those three days. This is just in the Philadelphia area. Yeah. So local home every day. Um, you're probably going to be working overnight. You're going to be working on weekends, um, but you're only working eight hours if you want. You can do overtime if, if you want to. Um, but yeah, we'll get we'll get 180 applicants, and you can disqualify 90 of them with just three questions: Do you have a license? Is it a class A? Can you pass a drug test? There's 90 percent right there. Yeah. Of that 10 percent that make it, then you start digging into their their work history. You might lose some from that, um, and then um, after all of after all the Testing, background check, security clearance check, all this stuff. It's, it's like $3,000 per application that the post office spends just to get somebody into orientation. Then they put you in a truck and they say, back it up the door too, please. And they can't back up worth the shit. And they flunk guys out all the time. But just the, the 10% of that 90% that, that make it through the application process, maybe another 20% of that can actually drive on the range. Yeah. Just, yeah. I've, I've noticed that the quality of driver just it's just completely nosedive in the last six, seven years. So let me hit this roofing trucker. If the money is there and the loads are there, why can't you retain a driver? Well, um, we didn't retain anybody from last year. Now, so far, uh, we've got, let me think about this. We've got 11 trucks seated. Um, and out of the ones that we've hired since January 1st, only two have, have gone away. And I could have told you pretty much in the interview process, they weren't going to make it, but we had an empty truck there and it was like, okay, we'll go ahead and bring them in. So it yes. wasn't really a surprise. So, you, okay. Let me ask you this. You're, you're not, um, you must have a pretty good like BS detector when it comes to hiring drivers now. Cause you know, you're, you're an accomplished driver yourself as am I. And I can't tell you how many companies I talk to and they just don't know how they'll, they'll hire anyone with a pulse because you know, they, they have everything on paper. And I tell them that the hiring is completely ass backwards. Like mm-hmm. you can lie on a resume, you can cheat a direct test, you can bullshit your way through a job interview. You cannot lie about being able to back a trailer. Right. That would be the first thing I have somebody do. Come in, sign a waiver. So if you stub your toe, you're not suing me for a thousand million dollars <laughs> and back that trailer up to the door, please. Let me see what you got. And yeah. that, that right there will flush out all the bullshit right away. Well, even, and of course, Landstar's, Landstar is very selective. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not easy to get qualified at Landstar. I, and I, I know of at least five, um, at least five that I desperately wanted to hire. I'm going to fuck it. I'm going to do it anyway. All five of these were minorities. All five of them probably had some bullshit misdemeanor felony, something, you know, from their youth. And they wouldn't, and they wouldn't hire. Them. And of course, they won't yeah. tell me why. I have to, yeah. I have to, I have to guess. But they had the attitude, they had the perspective, they had everything that I want. I can teach you how to back up a truck. I can teach you how to drive, uh, shift a <clears> transmission. <throat> I can't teach you how to have the right attitude. I can't make that. Yeah. And that so there was at least five. I promise you, at least five that we desperately wanted and couldn't get them through the qualification process. And I can only assume because they won't. Well, we we can't tell you. Okay. I wonder if it's also too because of like I, I don't know how compartmentalized 
Landstar is with their stuff, but like, you know, there are divisions in Landstar that haul, you know, military freight. Right. So I have to assume, all right, I would think that like having people on your payroll with those backgrounds might hurt your chance. Uh, of it could. Like, I have no idea. Could, you know, but that's the thing I have to guess, but anyway. Um, but there are, there are plenty of companies out there that hire, that still hire, um, felons and i have no problem whatsoever with somebody trying to get like a second chance at life and, and like you said you know trying to find somebody with that that attitude is is mm-hmm. exactly what you're talking about that that's really hard to find because yeah. we'll we call them in the post office we call them slugs you know people that just they're just a meat in the seat with a pulse but um maybe one out of like every 20 people they hire will be like some rock star driver and you're like damn dude you're waiting what are you doing working here i, I get this easy job here but you could be working somewhere else just absolutely killing it and they're like been there done that you know i'm just here to do my time i uh i have a great post office story we used to haul a lot of bulk mail for rr donnelly with mm-hmm. anderson in a van and uh it was around christmas time and i don't remember what bulk mail center i was in it was in a large city Dude, these people were moving at the speed of smell. And I was, I was, I was, I I was getting frustrated. And around, I, and I look around the corner and all I can see is a Santa Claus hat. Okay. Now, this, this, this dude, this black dude was probably six, nine. It was, he was enormous. And it was even better because he was huge. He looked like an ex football player. He was just, just big monster with that Santa Claus hat on. Dude, he came back there. And he cleaned house. And all of a sudden, it was like you injected all these people with cocaine. I mean, they start they start unloading trucks and moving around. And he just he just walked through there, did one of these, you know, and, and barked a, a few commands in like a like a blower register that I can't even imagine. It was awesome. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, there's there's a lot of overlap between like military and the post mm-hmm. office. Um, the, the the clocks we use, it's not military time. It's like these weird um, clocks that use 100 digits instead of 60. Yeah, so you clock out at like zero zero five nine instead of you know fifty nine minutes to midnight or whatever. Yeah, it's just weird. It's all a weird time. Um, but yeah, a lot a lot of vets because you can use your um, any time you have in the service counts towards your time to towards retirement mm. when you're in the postal service. So nice. You know, if you do like ten years in the service and you quit and then you join the postal service, you got ten ten extra years. You don't have to quit. You don't have to work. Nice. Well, it's you know back to the training thing. My when when my when I started in ninety seven, they did a. I feel like they did a pretty good job. I mean, because we didn't really get the CDL meals until the kind of later two thousands. Yeah. But I had to pass a test when and Larry Larry started driving in two thousand eight. He had to pass a test. He had he had to prove that he could back up, and he had to prove that he could shift and turn and 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 answer questions about hours of service and all this kind of stuff. And when I get people here who are again, qualified, experienced drivers and they're like, well, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to slide tandems, you know, mm-hmm. or they have no clue how hours of service work. None. Yeah. Um, and of course we have to maximize hours of service in what we do to, to make the kind of money that we make at Landstar. You have to maximize your hours of service. You have to know how to split break. You have to know how to do that stuff and you have to understand it. And the biggest part of our, our now one day orientation is basically explaining what blue ribbon and Landstar is. And then trip planning, trip planning, trip planning, trip planning, you know, map reading, um, 
we we have a uh, we have a guy that's been with us now since uh, like March or April 2020. So, but three years came to us 23 years old was a senior trainer at Covenant. God help us. And he gets here, and the very first load I put him on was a load of empty totes. And empty tote loads are even more complicated because they have to be placarded because they haven't they have residue in them. Hmm. Well, he had 32 placards. There were eight different UN numbers on the trailer. Hmm. So he's got to put 32 placards on here. He had problems with the paperwork. Well, with a bulk container, you can't run the PA turnpike. Yep. And so yep. I remember I've got my phone in my hand and I'm looking at Google Maps and I'm like, well, hey, I think if you, you know, turn here and left there and right there, we can get you on this road and, and try to bypass the turn. And I could just hear the silence of crickets. And I went, Richie, do you know how to read a map? Oh, no, we weren't allowed to have maps. <clears throat> yeah. I'm going, you know, and, and if you want to get him really riled up, ask him about the time that he came up to an interstate closure. And in order to make on-time delivery, he took a detour to go around the wreck. They fined him $50 for going out of route. I mean, that, that, that's, that's, yeah. that's, and, and so I never thought, oh, well, sure. We'll teach business. I never thought I'd have to teach truck driving, but I do every day. The, the only the only real negative I had during my training with Schneider was when they teamed me up with a training engineer, the guy that I was teamed up with had a like a absolute sweet kick run. So his job was so easy, it actually kind of like limited my growth early on because it was basically just we went from Indianapolis to um St. Paul, Minnesota and back. <clears throat> We'd leave the yard in, in Indy in the afternoon. We'd stop at a truck stop in Menominee, Wisconsin for the night get up in the morning, do the drop off at the Ford plant. Uh, it was just, a, it was a, a drop and hook. And then, um, then we beat feet back to Indianapolis, uh, that night. And I did that for two weeks and he's like, okay, you're on your own. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, <laughs> thanks. And then they sent me back to Gary, got my truck. And then they're like, okay, you're going to go from Gary to Chicago, pick up the load, take it to Menominee, a different Menominee, Wisconsin, up, up near the panhandle. <laughs> and I was like, so out of my, like the first two three weeks i got lost constantly the apps the 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 mental stress like i'm like by day five i'm like on the phone like sobbing into the phone with my mom saying like, <laughs> i hate this job i want to come home and then the next day like a little mental switch like flipped and i was just like okay this is this is you got to do this like you have you literally have nowhere else to go yeah. and uh, from from that day it was just like if i screwed up okay that sucks let's not do that again how can we not do that um, I don't think enough companies emphasize that kind of training. And I think, um, another thing too, like if you wanted to be a training engineer at Schneider, when I was there, you needed two years minimum accident free to be a training engineer. There are people on TikTok right now with three months of driving experience who are training brand new drivers for the carriers that's the mm -hmm. driver. And you guys know who you are. Yep. And it, yep. it just, it just blows my mind. First of all, if they even have insurance, like what insurance company would be stupid enough to, to cover these companies? Chances are they don't. So they're all self-insured. Um, I, I just, to me, it's a, it's a race to the bottom. You have newbies, you have babies training babies, and that's just a recipe for disaster. And I, I don't understand why more companies don't see the writing on the wall with that. 
Yeah. Well, this, this right here goes with exactly what I was just thinking about. It seems like older generation with a hand-me-down knowledge survives better than this regulated training courses that they make drivers take these days. Yeah. And what I would, you know, the one thing that I think was so different is when I started in 1997, there was no cell phones, no tablets, no internet. Um, at CB radio. Yeah. And when I did something stupid, I heard about it, you know, <laughs> and yes. there was the brotherhood, you know, so to speak. Um, but I would, I mean, I saw experienced drivers as my elder and, 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 and I would listen, you know, especially cause I was lots of times I was afraid I was gonna get my ass whipped, you know, uh, I backed into a bull hauler about three months in mm. And I, uh, terrifying. Of course, I didn't know that I did it. I was trying to blindside back in the rain. What an idiot. Yep. And I, and I just scraped the fender on this beautiful 379 Peterbilt. Hmm. And my DOT bumper knocked his hubcap on his steer axle off. Yep. Well, I didn't know that I did it. I just couldn't get in the hole. So I turned around and go find another spot. And I, so I walk in. I'm completely oblivious. And I get a tap on the shoulder. And I turn around and look down because this dude was like 5'5". Five, five that's a much cowboy hat. You just hit my truck. I'm like, what? Yep. You just hit my truck. And I thought, I'm going to die. I'm dead. He's going to kill me. <laughs> I backed into a bull hauler. But he was so good because he went, look, you scratch my fender. You knock my hubcap off. If this is the worst that ever happens to you, you're going to be okay. And I'm like, okay, thank God he didn't kill me. Because I thought for sure I was going to take a whipping. Um, but we don't have that anymore because we're windows up podcast on i don't even own a cb radio you know i haven't yeah. used one for 10 years um because i got tired of listening to that garbage but i've i've always believed if we would teach courtesy safety works itself out because the one thing that i see that we had back then was four-wheelers were our problem back then yeah but yeah. if i'm driving a truck right now I get more courtesy from four wheelers than I do from big trucks. You a big watch truck, out, watch uh, out for those white Volvos. Yeah, <laughs> a big truck will put me in a ditch a whole lot quicker than a four wheeler will. You yeah. know, um, if we would teach courtesy, hey, be respectful of your other drivers. You know, if you see someone in the right lane coming up on something slow, back out of the throttle, let them out, because that's what we did back in the good old days. Yeah. Uh, there's this whole thing with the speed limiters trying to be mandated now. And like that, that was like one of our last like huge videos on TikTok. And I've said from the beginning, I, I think any politician who's in favor of some kind of speed limiter mandate should be stuck behind two semis trying to pass each other to and from work every single day for the rest of their lives. And they get it. As soon as you mention the frustration of trying to pass two semis, they go, Oh yeah, that sucks. But then without yeah. skipping a beat, they go, yeah, but we need to implement it to every single commercial vehicle on the road in the entire country. It's like, how stupid can you be? It, it well and and i thought we learned this lesson when i started driving texas had a split, split speed limit yeah. illinois had a split speed limit ohio had a split speed limit and the crashes were massive yeah. all the time we got rid of the split speed limits and the crashes went down we we i thought for sure we had learned this lesson yep uh, but no because we don't learn lessons here in america um and and I, I despise with every fiber of my being these 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 advocacy groups, um, Road Safe America and 
truck safety coalition. Yeah. I just, I hate them with every fiber of my being. They're, because they're barnacles on like the side of the treasury that they're just sucking yeah. everything they and can. They, out and of. they, uh, to me, in my, my view, they exploit the pain and suffering of someone who in a lot of cases has lived through an unthinkable tragedy. And here come these bastards in to profit off, off of that. You know, it just ugh, makes me. There's a, there's our, and I will say there are some that we work with. So like um, Operation Lifesaver, they deal with more train crashes than trucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're a good organization. There are, there are some good ones out there. Yeah, there's a few. But the ones that are always, like I remember, do you remember the, uh, they were trying to get the double 33s? They were trying to get, uh, so that. they wanted two 33 foot pups instead mm-hmm. of two 20, 24 foot pups or 26 foot, whatever they are now. They wanted an extra five foot, I think. So I guess there was two 26s, which is 52. They wanted two 33s to get more, not more weight. Just they wanted extra, more cute pallet. Yeah. To, to haul all of our Amazon crap, <laughs> right? That, that's what they wanted. And so, I think it was Diane Feinstein. It might've been Barbara. It was one of those nut jobs from California. And they had one of those trucks parked there and at all the safety groups lined up. And they're like, this truck is as tall as an eight story building. It's 70 feet long. I'm like, Hey, cupcake, <laughs> you know how long my 53 foot trailer with a sleeper cab is? Seventy feet. <laughs> it's the same length, you know, yeah. but of course, they're preying on the in in the the ignorance and kind of incompetence of the American public yeah. to just terrify them into, uh, and they killed the whole thing. You know, just completely wiped it out. Was it? I think it was. Um, I know it was Walmart, but was it Canada? They were they were experimenting with a fifty eight foot trailer because mm-hmm. they wanted an extra fee. Because like a, a lot of those communities up in like you know the the northern territories, you know they they don't get their trucks as often as we can down here in the south, and so they they needed larger trailers. I. I I need to look that up again because I don't I don't know if that ever took off. Evan says that they passed a law allowing sixty foot trailers. Uh, I would have to mm-hmm. consult the Book of Knowledge to, um, to to verify that. Mark says, "Why not go back to the speed limit of fifty five at all vehicles?" Okay, number one, hell no. All right. Well, number one, nobody's going to follow it. Okay. Yeah. We wrote a there was a song about it. Can't drive fifty five. Yeah. On. <laughs> um, now the big problem is the speed limits really are way too low. Um, you know, I have a 2017 Ram 1500. That thing would cruise at 95 miles an hour. Yeah. No problem. Now, I've owned some cars from the 80s. You know, when I bought this truck, I went from an 87 pickup truck to a 217 pickup truck. Well, that 87 model was kind of scary at 65, yeah. right? Yeah. But, dude, this thing would cruise 95 miles an hour all day long. The tires can handle it. The suspension can handle it. The brakes can handle it. Um, as, as much as people complain about how expensive new cars are these days, I mean, the, the cars are improving. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm about ready to go find me a, like a square body suburban and just LS swap it. Cause I'm getting tired of dealing with what, and this is fascinating. And I hate when I do this on TikTok. I'll, I'll find some amazing video and forget to save it. And then you can never uh, find it again. Yep. Yep. But it was, uh, well, it you, was, you can go through your search. You can go through your watch history. Well, know I know, but yeah. they, you know, it's like finding, uh, <laughs> what's his name's vault. Um, Come but on. it was, uh, yeah, it was, um, it was billed as the Ford CEO talking. So I guess it was him, but anyway, he was talking about how 
they don't do their own in-house programming. And he said they have 150 different vendors that build components that have their own programming, their own programming language, and then they get it. And then Ford has to figure out how to make all this stuff talk to each other. And he yeah. said that they're getting ready because I guess Tesla doesn't have this problem. Te- the one the one thing that makes Tesla fantastic is everything is in-house. The components yeah. are in-house. The program is in-house. So now Ford has been trying to, they're, of course, having to compete with Tesla. And he was like, We're, we have to now bring all of this in-house. We've got to learn how to code. We've got to learn how to program. We've got to learn how to build these devices because it's such a nightmare. And that's a lot of what we're, that's why we run 99 to 07 model trucks because the 08 to 2024 trucks are just a nightmare to deal with because they just quit for no reason. And they have gotten manageable. They have gotten better since 2016. They have gotten to where at least we can run the Pittsburgh Power Catalyst. We can do, we got DPF alternatives. We got diesel force cleaning. We have things that we can do preventative maintenance on the emissions. But there's, there's, these trucks are stupid expensive to operate. And if you don't have a relationship with a good shop like we do, um, and you don't, and you're just at the mercy of the TA or God help you, the dealership. Um, I was telling my guys today, I think I've told a story on the podcast before, but I had a mentoring client last year that broke down on a Monday morning at 5 a.m. Clutch went out automatic transmission. And he says, Hey, I'm at the dealer in Knoxville. And I'm like, okay. And that afternoon they gave him a diagnosis and they said, yep, you need a clutch. We don't have it. It's on national back order. We can't get it. It's unknown. I made four phone calls. The first phone call was to a guy that I trust when it comes to parts. He gave me the list of how many people in the United States had that clutch in stock. The OEM, the Alliance and the aftermarket, all three. I got all three part numbers. I got the number that were available in the PDCs in the Freightliner network. I don't know why they were telling my guy that it was unavailable. So then mm-hmm. the next phone call I made didn't answer. The second phone call I made, the guy said, independent shop. He said, I'm too busy. I'm covered up. Call this mobile guy. I called the mobile guy. I said, here's the VIN number. Here's the three part numbers. And he said, let me, let me check all this out. I've got a spot. I can rent a shop. Yes, I can do your clutch. He went into the dealership where my guy was broke down and bought the clutch off of their shelf. (laughs) My guy breaks down Monday morning, is hauling freight Friday morning, $4,000 cheaper than the the dealership. I I can't can't justify it. I can't explain it. It doesn't make any sense to me. I just think that the dealerships, like a lot of places now, they're short-staffed. Um, and like that's a whole other topic for discussion. But um, the other thing, too, is like uh, when you get these new trucks or newer trucks, rather, um, you know, parts. I know it wasn't the case in, in, in your situation, but um, when I was at Green Valley, we, get, we got brand new 2013 uh, Freightliner Coronados. And those are, man, those are nice trucks. Mm-hmm. But they were the first trucks we had with like the DEF system and all that on them. And Fortunately, I wasn't in that truck long enough to really have any problems with it. But 
we had a cracked windshield within six months after after driving that truck. And because that truck was so new, nobody had the windshield for it. If you had a 2012 or prior, you mm-hmm. could, you, I mean, it went back decades. It was the same shape, windshield, no problem. But the 2013, they tweaked the aerodynamics just a little bit. And so we couldn't get a windshield for it. And then the first oil change we had done on the truck, it was over the road. We were at the TA in Ashland, Virginia. And my dad called this right from the beginning. We, we pull into the bay and we're watching. There was one guy that like, you know, guided you in. And then there was this new kid. And we're watching the new kid. And this kid would like pick up a part and go, huh. And set it down. He'd pick up another tool and look at it and go, huh. And my dad just goes, oh, this is going to be a disaster. So we go, we go in the restaurant. We're having dinner. Uh, about an hour later, they call back. And they say, okay, everything's good to go. Sweet. See ya. We leave. Park the truck at the hotel for the night. We come back out. There's oil just all over the ground. We're like, what the fuck? So we, we top it off as best we can. We take it back to the TA and they go back up underneath it. That new kid went under there. When they when they put the oil pan back under, he tightened the crush nut too tight and just split the oil pan right down mm. the middle. <laughs> and it's a brand new aluminum oil pan and nobody had it. We were stuck there for weeks mm. waiting on that damn thing. And our, our dispatchers were pissed because just like you, they book everything out, you know, a week or two in advance. And it's not like we're hauling you know, drive, drive and goods. We were hauling, uh, I think we we're hauling like 1.1 and we had another load of, um, uh, aircraft parts that we were supposed to be picking up and it, they had to like redo all the booking on those. So yeah. Good well, help is hard I, to find. What can I say? If, if the American <laughs> public could, could, could know what we know, they would not so confidently press that buy it now button on Amazon. Oh, you know, it's a miracle. Every time, every <laughs> yeah. time something, every time something shows up to my door, I'm like, yes. Cause I kind of understand like well, a little, like I never dealt with the Amazon side of it, but you know, you do enough package deliveries and stuff. You kind of know like the miracle that happens just to get it to your, yeah, it to it's, your doorstep. It, it, it's amazing. And, um, you know, I have, I have, I've yet to experience throughout the last well three years. Um, I've been told national back order a bunch of times, and I've been told we can't find it, but there's not been a time yet that I have not gone on my computer, made some phone calls and had to part on the way. Awesome. And my frustration is my friends, the parts professionals whose job it is to go find parts, can't find parts, but some hillbilly sitting at a desk in West Virginia can all of a sudden find parts, hmm. you know, and, and, and I think a lot of this is effort. Now I, I do know that sometimes yeah. they'll tell me, well, here it's at this dealership. They won't sell it to me, but they'll sell it to you, you know, and hell I've had stuff shipped from Montana um, or wherever because they'll sell it to me, but they won't sell it to another dealership, which mm-hmm. is just stupid. Um, but the, the, and I had a situation, I had a blown drive tire. And we're getting ready to put tires on this truck. So I didn't want to buy a brand new tire. I just wanted to get a used tire, Hagerstown, Maryland. And I was, I was in the midst of making a TikTok video. I was working on a truck and driver blows the tire and okay. Turn the video and all that stuff off. And for an hour and a half, I made phone calls and I kept getting, well, I don't know, maybe, well, do you have a used tire? Well, yeah, I think so. See this, and I, this would, this would make for great content. And I finally went to this girl. I gave this girl this speech and I said, listen, I'm in business. Okay. Um, to serve people. And if I behaved in my business, 
the way all the people have in the last hour and a half have behaved, I would be out of business, you know? And, and her attitude changed a little bit. And she's like, okay, well, let me call this guy. Of course, we still couldn't find a damn tire. Finally found one the next day. Right. Which, Hey, for all you people hating on me because we use super singles, I said on side road, eight hours. It took me to get a dual tire the other day. So suck it. All right. (laughs) Um, but we, that's the thing. We make decisions based on this, not on emotion, not on, well, I like it. We run super singles because this says we have, we have millions of miles of data that says we save on average $7,500 a year in fuel running super singles. We've had five blowouts in from 2009 to now. We have five blowouts, lost one rim, $7,500 a year times 10 trucks, we can afford to pay a service call, okay? Yeah. And somebody can bring me a damn tire. Um, I hate duels with every fiber of my being. I hate dual tires. You blow the inside, and it's like, cool, I got to do the job twice now. Well, and why does the inside always the one that blows? Because <laughs> damn truck drivers will not check the inside tire, which is why we run the crossfire cat's eye thing that hooks the two of them together so at least yeah. they'll be the same pressure. Um I, look, we put tire pressure monitor systems in all of our trucks. You wouldn't believe the number of times I get up in a truck and I find it in the bunk. I find it on the shelf. It's turned off. And I'm like, guys, it's there for you. That tire pressure monitor is real important. If y'all would turn the <laughs> damn thing on, you know, and then they're like, boom, and the tire blows. And they're like, I don't know what happened. I'm like, I bet I know what happened. I bet you were driving down the road with that screen turned off and you didn't have a clue. <laughs> nope. And all of a sudden explosion happens, you know? Yeah. So we were talking uh, Amazon a little bit earlier. Have you ever taken a tour of one of their um, fulfillment centers? They offer they offer I've, public tours to them. If you have one near you, I, do it. No, it's I've so been fun. in one, um, and then you look around. Oh, it's like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Oh, I know. It's 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 fascinating. I I, I don't even remember how I found out I had one. Um, there, I think it was an ad, like an ad on YouTube or something, but it was like take a tour. Oh, the fulfillment center. And I was like, all right. So I punched in my zip code and I was in Philly and right across the river in Jersey, <clears throat> there was one. So it's like a 25 minute drive from the house. And I was working at the post office at the time. So I, I show up on one of my days off and it was like seven of us on the tour. Three of the other people, they were from, um, uh, Ashley's furniture. And another one was from like a, a plumbing company or something. And I told the guy that was like giving us the tour. I was like, Oh, by the way, I'm, I'm from the post office. I don't know if you guys care. He's like, dude, we get people from like Walmart. He's like, we don't care. You, you guys, you tell us who you're with. We don't, he's like, we have no secrets here. And uh, yeah, after going on that tour, I, I kind of, I kind of realized why, like ju- just from my experience. So when I'm in the plant at the post office, I, I, I was in my mid thirties when I started there, I was probably like the youngest person in the building or at least on the younger side in the post office. I go into that Amazon warehouse. I'm a dinosaur. It's a young yeah. workforce. It's a hustling workforce. Mm-hmm. everybody's moving back in the post office whatever you get hired to do there unless you cross crafts you're doing to the day you die if you're mm-hmm. a forklift operator or a mail handler or whatever title it is that's all you'll do and that's all you will ever do crossing crafts is a cardinal sin you go in the amazon warehouse it's like hey you have a pulse we'll get you your cdl <laughs> we'll get you a degree in this we'll train you to do like they don't care as long as you have a, a pulse they'll have you do anything you want to do in that building so just, yeah. just that ethos alone, I was like, okay, this is this is a totally different thing. And then they take you up to the mezzanine level where the robots are, 
And that was really cool because it's there's no organizing to it whatsoever. If there's space for it, they cram the item into the robot. And the days of having those giant sprawling warehouses where everybody has to walk like 20 miles a day picking items and stuff, those are gone. You stand at a post, the robot comes to you, you take the item off the off the shelf, put it in your tote, and then it gets whisked away to a robot. And yeah, the level the level of automation that they have is is astounding. I'm and they're only forward- and, and they're only I- adding more. I'm looking forward to the drones. I want to. I'm, I'm <laughs> looking forward. You know, I live in West Virginia. I'm in rural West Virginia. Okay. I'm gonna be How, the last person to ever get it. But I want to push that button and I want to hear the whir and I want it to drop it on my front porch. People and, don't. And, people don't realize how loud those things are. And also, yeah. where where you're at, how are you gonna stop the good old boys out there from blasting those things out of the sky for fun? Well, listen, it's a real problem, you know. <laughs> uh, well, I saw Mark. I think it was Mark Rober on YouTube video where he went to like africa and they had these catapults with Mm. these these drones and it was all medical supplies and blood and stuff so you have this doctor in this super remote place that needs you know blood well he puts in the order in the order comes in they put it in this little plane boom catapult goes out flies out takes like you know 20 minutes to get there airdrops it with a parachute into the parking lot they run out get the blood save the life I mean, it's, 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 it's coming, you know, and, and um, Af- Africa is a really interesting spot too, because they can leapfrog technical stages. So like, mm-hmm. instead of going from like no electricity and no telephones, instead of like putting in electrical lines and then phone lines, and then going from a landline telephone to a cell phone, they can literally just like airdrop a power station there and then set up a cell tower and boom, everybody in the area has got cell phones now. Like it's, it's, well, we are we are big proponents of blockchain and decentralized technology here, hmm. um, and I mean, I believe that the innovations, like the, I believe that the world that my kids but that are eight and seventeen. By the way, it's my daughter's birthday today. Oh, happy um, birthday! Yeah, uh, seventeen. Whew, holy crap! Oh man, I have um, a three year old. I don't know. I'm not ready for seventeen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, listen, it comes quick. Okay, because she was three yeah. like two weeks yesterday, ago, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, but the innovation that is coming, especially because of 2021, 22, mm-hmm. um, the innovation that's coming is it's 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 not even fathomable. But the thing about Africa and the third world, they're not spoiled ass rotten like we are. Yeah. They don't have to be retrained. Like yeah. you can, I think that the next frontier of of innovation and even liberty is going to be in South America and the Middle East and Africa because I do, there's this lady, I haven't seen her in a while on Africa. She's freaking hilarious. She's like a model. So she's gorgeous. And so she's like doing TikTok videos and these morons that I know are American. I just, I, I know they are, or they're at least, you know, first world people. Um, how do you have internet in Africa? And she's like, every night we put the phone in the tree and the internet is delivered. <laughs> like we, 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 we bury the phone in the sand with the potatoes and, and the potatoes give the phone. Like she has I've so seen, much fun with it. I think it's I've hysterical. seen that video. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. People that haven't been paying attention. Cause like if you grew up in the nineties, seventies, eighties, nineties, you kind of had this understanding of like, you know, countries like Ethiopia, the, the, uh, the continent of Africa, the third world was basically just like desert. Everyone's starving to death and we got to give um, 
uh, this lady on the tele on the on the commercial our money 10, 10 cents a month or whatever to feed the poor African kids. Meanwhile, you can go on Snapchat. Um, there's an amazing feature on Snapchat called the the Snap Map, where you swipe over and it'll have like a Google Maps esque view of the world with like heat spots on it, and those are everywhere in the world that people are publicly snapping. And so you can you like during you know Ramadan and whatever country you want and whatever holiday they're having, you zoom in on the area, you tap your screen, and you can see what people are snapping in real not not quite real time, but within the last yeah. 24 hours in there. So like if you go into like you know areas in Africa, there's like suburbs and stuff out there. There there are entire metropolitan areas in Africa that if you just took a photo of it and posted it and you said, Hey, I'm hanging out in Dallas today. Nobody would know the difference. They right. all kind of look like the same concrete blocks that we got out here. Yeah, it's well, we're we're very. It's funny how shit. Here we are in in this technologically advanced society that we are in America and and in Europe and Canada. <laughs> how can people with this much access to information be this dumb? I mean, it's 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 all, it's all an attitude. I I don't know if you've had Reed on before. He was in the chat earlier. He's a good friend of. Of mine and, and Michael, Hopper. he's actually the one who made these hats. Um, he says like that stuff all the time. Like it, it, platforms like Twi uh, TikTok, Twitter, etc. These are um, the greatest communication platforms we've ever had. I mean, these things are superpowers. Oh, yeah. There, I mean, you and I having this conversation, this would not have been able to happen ten, not even ten years ago. Hell, five for, years for, ago. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's yeah. It and that's where that's what gets me crazy when when I see people that watch too much television. Uh, news that have such a, uh, uh, a negative outlook all the time because they're constantly being told everyone, yeah. everything's going to hell in a handbasket. And I'm like, yeah. no, it's not. We live in the safest, most prosperous time in all of human history. There's a, there's an amazing website called humanprogress.org. And they, they backed it up hundred percent. Cause it's the same that you could, you could, you could watch, you know, the, the, the joke is if you're on TikTok, if you're on Twitter and you're scrolling, it's called doom scrolling you know, you're just scrolling and scrolling, scrolling, but it's the same thing. If you're watching cable news 24 seven, you know, oh, you're yeah. just doom watching the news. Meanwhile, like you said, it's, it's, this is, this is the greatest time to ever be alive. We have better communication than ever before. Uh, politics aside, you know, things are always kind of wacky, but there are no more secrets anymore. Like the, the kind of stuff that like, people would have gotten away with decades ago maybe they, they can hide it for a day or two but nowadays it's all out in the open yeah that's a beautiful well, thing i remember one of the uh there's a guy i really like uh dr thomas e woods uh, he's kind of a historian economist kind of guy and he had pointed out um numbers from osha workplace injury and oh, tom woods yeah i know tom woods um, yeah, a very, and, a very failed podcaster as we look lovingly yeah, say to him. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's a guy. Uh, so he had, he had pointed out these numbers from OSHA workplace injuries and how that since the inception of OSHA, there was a graph that showed how workplace injuries had fallen. The part they left out was that before there was ever an OSHA, the exact same curve <laughs> existed. And then yeah. OSHA went, it's all because of us. And yeah, we're like, yeah. no, no, not so much. <laughs> when I, with all of this access to information, it would be easy to believe that maybe things are getting worse, 
because you're aware of things happening that you never would have been aware of yeah. when I was a kid and we had an antenna on this hill and an antenna on this hill. And when we wanted to watch the Dukes of Hazard on Friday night, we plugged into that antenna. And when we wanted to watch the show on the other network, we had to plug in that antenna and we had four channels, <laughs> you know, and a newspaper. We, we had no idea what was happening now a TikTok could come up in front of me and it could be from thousands of miles away and help could be from six months ago, you yeah. know, uh, or, or a year ago, you know, and I get that emotional charge, you know, it, but I finally learned, okay, well, let me do what the people in the comment section never do at TikTok. I'm talking to y'all right now. <laughs> I will, we'll post something and there will be questions asked. And I'm going, I got a link in bio. I got a website. I got a YouTube with 165 episodes. But for whatever reason, they can't, but there's a bunch of them. Okay. I'm not going to say everybody. I'm not even going to say the majority. Okay. But it's real close to 50%. Can't pull themselves out of the comment section. Well, let me go look for other information. Do they have a link in bio? Do they have a website? Yeah. Oh, look. They have a YouTube channel. Um, that's kind of an intellectual laziness that gets on my nerves uh, that I see, especially in America, uh, where just, you know, uh, somebody's got to give me the information. I'm not going to go look for it. Mm. I'm not going to go seek understanding on my own. I'm just going to say, hey, how's that work? Now give me all the information. And I'm going, no, 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 you need to work for it a little bit. You know, sometimes I'll answer your question. Sometimes I won't. Um, if you're a troll, sometimes I'm going to light you up. Sometimes I'm not. Um, and sometimes we do, we do, we do a bit of trolling on our side too. We love yeah. it. Reed, yeah. Reed a couple of weeks ago, um, last month, <clears throat> he created a lumper appreciation week oh, and no. I, I call them, I call them the laptop class. These people that are like journalists that they know nothing about truck driving. Maybe they cover the industry a little bit, but, um, I had journalists at freight waves telling me that they had like colleagues of theirs from other, um, other papers saying like, Hey, what's a lumper? What's this like joke I'm seeing on Twitter? Like, what's this thing I'm seeing on LinkedIn and Twitter? And so we're having we're having some fun with it because people outside the industry, they don't know. First of all, they don't know anything about lumpers, and just to have mm -hmm. to have something called lumper appreciation is like it, people like us in the know where they're like, oh yeah, what That's are you hilarious. talking about? And for for us, the more fun is the ones who like take it absolutely literal. And they're like, who in the right mind would ever appreciate a lumper? And we're like, yes, that's exactly the reaction we were looking for. I, I love the, <laughs> the, the, when you see really good satire mm. that you can't tell if it's real or not. Yeah. Cause you're going, yeah, yeah. ah, this has got to be, this has got to be BS. But yeah, whew, boy, they're real good at it. There's a lady who, I mean, she's gone viral a thousand times about sued her parents for not getting her consent. For being born have you seen her <laughs> no but I, that, that rings a bell it is go and she just <laughs> keeps going and keeps going and she's so good her deadpan her deadpan yeah that, perfect uh, and they're just viciously attacking her in the comments and i'm going and i'm just sitting here with popcorn you know yeah because i'm going this is this is amazing because she does it so incredibly well yep. and then can she can go through all of the intellectual arguments for and against for, mm, well, yeah. you need, you need to get consent from your baby before you have them. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's awesome. And people buy that just hook, line and sinker. And, 
and that, that really sad ones are there's a bunch of people that have done real very well done satire that have gotten their accounts yanked yeah. because people Not will start same. you know reporting them <laughs> and all this stuff and i'm like how did you you know oh here's a great question you'll love yeah, this um, this is this is one of my guys this is one of my drivers <laughs> How did you guys find the information before the internet? Um, we were told a lot of lies that we could not verify were lies. That's that's it. We had encyclopedias. You had books. Books and television. I, I mean, and dude, they could just lie. And there was absolutely no way to verify it. And we talked about Tom Woods. I stumbled somehow stumbled across Tom Woods and he had done this lecture series called the politically incorrect guide to American history. And all it was, was recordings of like college level lectures that he had given. I'm like, well, that sounds interesting. I'll politically incorrect. You've got me. And I start listening to this stuff and I'm going, there's no way this is real. This can't be real. He can't, these things that he he is saying cannot be real. And I went to Wikipedia and I'm like, holy crap! Yeah. And then, and then I, and then I went did other sources. Went to government websites, Library of Congress. Holy crap! Like everything he's saying is true. How you know? Mind blowing, life changing yeah, information. A, another really good book, kind of dealing with that, is um, a Renegade History of the United oh. States by Thaddeus Russell. That's a great book. Listen, let me tell you what I did in the spring, early 2020. I listened to renegade history of the united states and about two weeks before 15 days to slow the spread started i read the autobiography of malcolm x mm. let me tell you that that is a terrible combination <laughs> going into a global authoritarian crisis yeah yeah and it, that's a real bad combination different different kind of inoculation right there because i'm like you know what fuck everybody okay mm -hmm. i'm not doing it Oh, and that was that was that was a really dangerous combination. I'm, but I'm, I'm so glad that I'm finding I did. I'm finding the nearest rock to go hide under for the next two years while you guys sort this out. Good luck. Yeah, and, and at the post office. So I was working at the, I was a supervisor, believe it or not, at the post office during oh. COVID when this when this happened. They have a system there. They have a system there called 204. It's it's in like the bylaws of the thing, but it's called 204B. Anyone who wants to be a supervisor. Um, or basically any position, they can make you that temporarily. You, you could be the you could be a manager of a plant as a 204B if you want. And uh, basically, it's trial by fire. You try it out. If you don't like it, cool. You go back to your craft. No harm, no foul. And so when COVID was happening, they were like emailing us like different flyers to put up. And it was, I wouldn't say it was fun, but it was interesting to watch the, like nobody knew what was going on. Nobody knew what the hell to do. No. And so people were figuring it out as we went forward. But like the first couple like versions of flyers that they were sending us to like mail the nail on the walls and stuff were like the CDC does not currently recommend masks at this time because there was a huge mask shortage mm -hmm. and they, they couldn't say publicly like, Hey, please don't go to the store and wipe out all the supplies of masks. Cause we need those for the, mm -hmm. the hospital workers. And so everybody in the beginning is like, okay, masks are stupid and fake. We're not using them. And then it was like, please everybody wear a mask. <laughs> and it's like, cool. Where can we buy them? So everybody in their mom starts like, cutting up t-shirts and selling them on Etsy and stuff and selling those as masks. It's like, come on guys, you're breathing t-shirts. You're not I went in, anything. I ran Pennsylvania, New York every week through all of that. Right. And I, I got a couple weeks in no mask mandates had come down yet. 
And I walk into the TA in Erie, Pennsylvania, and they've got this poor girl, this poor defenseless girl sitting at a table. And she had a, a roll of the blue shop towels, mm. you know, a stapler and some rubber bands. And her job was to stop truck drivers. No. Excuse me, sir. Fold them over, staple uh, rubber bands to them, and hand them out as masks. I said, honey, if you think I'm putting that on my face, you have lost your ever-loving mind. It's, it's so not happening. It's so stupid. Like, it's, so I was in Philadelphia during all of this. And so, like, everybody inside and outside would be masking up. But then, like, you go to a restaurant. Everyone's got their mask on. But then as soon as you get to the table, masks off. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. what are we doing here? What are we doing? This is the stupidest, stupidest thing ever. By all means, if you want to wear your mask so you're not breathing other people's air, I'm not going to stop you. But to pretend that, like, you're going to have some magical talisman on your face up until the point you get to the table and then you take it off and everything's fine, I just – I don't know what the hell we're doing here. And the, you could tell that people <laughs> – I, I, I ordered this. I ordered I ordered this from Fake Mask USA. I've heard of those guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and I always had it in my back pocket. And I went to this Dunkin' Donuts in Ohio one day, and I walk up, and she goes, "Sir, do you have a mask?" And I went, "No, I can't serve you." So I grabbed this out of my pocket, and she and she goes, "I mean, like my whiskers are poking through." Yeah, yeah. And she's like, "How can I help you?" I'm like, "Really? You look like a criminal really? from like a '90s yeah, comedy movie yeah. with like the pants you know, stockings over yeah. your face." <laughs> no, this was, was this was the best purchase ever. I, I used to call it the Home Depot test. So, like, I'd go to a Home Depot in Philadelphia. Everyone working there and everyone shopping there has got masks on. But then you go to a Home Depot in New Jersey, maybe 50-50. You go to a Home Depot in Florida, there's not a mask in sight. Florida, <laughs> Florida was, like, two days, and they're like, we're not wearing shit. Get yeah. off. Get off. So I, I went down to Florida for a wedding, and it was like being in a different country compared to Philadelphia. I mean, to them, COVID was, like, not even a thing. Like, maybe you hear every once in a while somebody somebody get it. But um, as as far as like the fear and the panic, you know that that was ancient history as far as Florida went. And then going back to Philadelphia, it was still another year until they lifted the mask mandate, and then it, it lasted about sixty days, and then they tried to introduce another mask mandate, and that yeah, lasted less yeah. than like forty eight hours. Everyone was like, yeah. "Fuck, fuck this! We're not wearing shit." Yeah, and I'm so I I, I want to think that like something like that can't happen again, but pfft, who knows? All, they, all well, they need is to like scare people I, enough, and they'll they'll do whatever they want. I will tell you that I, I mean I learned some important lessons through that because Larry and I were talking uh, when all that first uh, started coming down. And I said these words out loud. There's no way they will never shut down NASCAR. They will never shut down Mark Madness because there will be, there will be carloads of rednecks from the South <laughs> going to, you all think January 6th was something. Watch this, right? You shut down NASCAR and the, and the NCAA tournament, all hell will break loose. Nope. Nope. Y'all folded like a cheap card table. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. So, so they'll just shut down everything and y'all just take it. You know, yeah, and I I was shocked, you know, but I but now I you know I understand better, and I just I I'm sorry I can't. It's like I can relate it to this thing with brokers, okay. There are people that will say I've got it all over my comment section. We don't need brokers, one hundred percent, one hundred percent accurate. You don't need brokers, customers need brokers because they're not going to hire the people that it's going to take to go find trucks for their yeah. loads. They're not going to, they're not going to put those people on payroll. They're not going to pay their health insurance. They're not going to pay their disability. They're not going to keep 
replacing them because they suck and they're terrible at what they do. You, as a driver, 100% don't need a broker. You can go book your own fate. You can go build relationship with customers. But the problem is most of y'all couldn't sell uh, ice water to a dying man in the desert. Yeah. Because yeah. sales is hard. Yeah. Being, being an owner operator or just, you know, lease on to anything, it's sales is like super important. That's why I was always, I never, any, any inkling I ever had of like, mm, maybe I'll look into buying a truck or it would be nice to have something with like, you know, my own touch. You know, I want like nicer interior. The first time I ever got into uh, a lease operator with Schneider and I got in his truck and I saw that he had like custom stuff on his dash and, you know, nice bunk in the back. I was like, okay, I, I, I understand why people do this. I get it. Um, but then you hear the horror stories of like, you know, something broke and then they, they, then they get behind the payments and then the balloon payment at the end. I was like, okay, nope, not, not for me. You know, it, it, it it's when we do interviews, we do video zoom interviews with people and, and we don't, we don't hold back. I mean, I, I tell them, I'm like, get, listen, get ready. You're getting ready to get punched in the mouth. Okay. Because we're, we are, we're going to make real sure at the beginning, you understand what the hell you're getting into because this is not a cakewalk. This is not something you do halfway. Opening a business is like having a child. And if you don't feed it for the first three to five years, it will die. Yeah. It's going to take every 100% of your attention. There's no turning it off. You're always in business 24, seven, 365. So if you can't handle that, you can't handle being in business 24, seven, 365 and always be thinking about that business and what, what it needs and what it's going to take. Please don't do it. Go find a good company driver that will pay you. There's they're out there. There are great company jobs for you to do. But do not get into business thinking you're going to work less than you did as a company driver. Yeah, and this and this goes all the way straight to the beginning of trucking too, because um, beginning today, like if you're a new driver, because you know you you get guys that I definitely should never have been behind the wheel in the first place, and the, the criticism that those people will get will well, no one forced you to, to be behind the wheel where you are, and I push back on that a little bit. Um, I, I don't know when you talked to, to Michael Lombard, if he brought this up, but there are workforce programs in certain states. Texas is one of them where if you're unemployed and you're trying to collect unemployment, you have to show the state that you're either applying for jobs or in some kind of workforce training program. And so what a lot of people do is the first thing that they recommend is, oh, we hear from the news that there's a truck driver shortage. How about you be a truck driver? <laughs> so in order, in order to keep their benefits, they get sent, sent into in the trucking school because they're told, well, there's a shortage and this is a good paying job and, you know, good luck. And then of course it's a, it's an absolute mean grinder. And that's, that's where the whole CDL mill mm -hmm. comes from. And hopefully people that get sucked into that wash out before they ever get into their heads that, you know, oh, I'm going to be a, an owner operator. But um, yeah, every, every, maybe once a week, I'll just search into Google, you know, truck driver shortage and then sort to news and I'll see article after article from different um, new, local news stations where they're talking about, Oh, Joe blows trucking school has partnered up with uh, the funding from XYZ state because, you know, there's a big pile of cash that says, Hey, if you're training truck drivers, here's, here's free money. Yeah. And, and oh, it drives, it drives me nuts. Well, and, and, and to, to, to piggyback off of that, they get into that meat grinder. Okay. And they see opera owner operating as, as a freedom. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so in these, in these interview sessions, I'm like, well, why do you want to get into business? Freedom from what mm -hmm. is always my next question freedom from what because when you 
there's a freedom from, okay, and I get that. There's also freedom to, to him, right? The freedom to is what we have to be uh, focused on because owning a truck is not freedom from, right? It's it. There's there's a whole lot more to owning a truck, and and Larry calls it the Landstar Early Retirement Program. Okay, the average. This is Landstar's numbers. Mm-hmm. The average BCO hauls one point seven loads per week. Mm. We do five. Right? Oh wow. 1.7 loads a week. Why is that? Well, number one, nobody cracking the whip, right? You can lease a truck on the Landstar, <coughs> haul one load a week. They're never going to call you. Hmm. You can go home as often as you want. You can stay home for a month. They might call and say, are you, are you still alive? Are you deceased? No, nope, I'm good. Okay, fine. Because you'll build up a red file, you know, uh, what we call the backed up, you know, 150, 200 bucks a week or whatever it is. But as long as you keep hauling freight, you'll never hear from them. As long as you're safe and compliant, they don't care. There's nobody say, Hey, Hey buddy, you better, you better get out here and book a load. They don't care. You know, there's, so, there's no reason for them to, you're doing it to yourself. So a lot of these people are like that teenage girl you went to high school with that had very strict parents. And then she went to college. Oh Yeah. In the ex- exhibition out the window. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what happens to these truck drivers because they're like, they go from very controlled environment, very authoritarian environment. You will do this and you will do that and you'll go here and you'll go there and you'll ask us permission to go home. Well, that, that all goes away and they're like, well, I'm free. Yeah. 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 You're free to go broke is what you're free to do. <laughs> that's what's going to happen to you. Because, and, and that's, that's what we're seeing. And this goes back to roofing trucker. I wanted to circle back to this. We had a hiring problem in 21 and 22 because with the rates, the way they were, well, hell, why would I go work for these guys when I can go to Lone Mountain or I can go to select trucks and they'll sign me up for 1500 bucks a week. Well, shit, well, $5 a mile. I can make that easy. Yeah. Well, our phone started ringing a lot more in the end of 22 into the early 23 of people going, because I've got one, two, three former owner operators driving for me right now that owned trucks last year that now they went, oh, shit. It's because none of them, none of them had any, they don't have like the crystal ball, you know, know, so at Freight Waves, we have this product sonar. And oh. I knew nothing. I, I didn't even know who, what Freightways was before I got hired mm-hmm. there. I called a buddy of mine when I got the job and I was like, Hey, I'm leaving the post office. And he's like, you're insane. I said, I know. He's like, where are you going? I said, I'm going for freight, going to freight waves. And he goes, freight nerds. What are you doing over there? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, and he explained the whole thing to me. And I was like, well, I'm not dealing with that. I, they hired me because I'm a truck driver. Um, but yeah, digging around in sonar. Um, I realized that if, if a lot of people had, the, the raw data or not even using sonar just paying attention to what craig tweets out mm-hmm. you're gonna see stuff that's coming before anyone else like if you're, if you're paying attention to like cnbc a lot of these other organizations they're using government data so they're three months behind right. the ball from the get-go um 
Yeah, we he Craig called the freight recession, all this stuff, you know, over a year ago, mm-hmm. and we're, we're we kind of like laugh at like you know NPR putting out an article now saying, oh, it looks like we're in a freight recession. Like, no shit, you know, it's only been a year. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's, but it's the same with the drivers. They just they all they ha- they have the blinders on and they see that the rates are great now, but they don't think that like okay, they're great now because X Y Z. You know, it could be, um, you know, there's great demand because this new awesome product came out and everybody wants it, but then that's going to be gone once that demand dries up. Then nobody ever thinks that that demand might, might go down. Uh, and mm-hmm. now everyone's kind of anticipating demand to go up. They're like, Oh, when are we going to hit the bottom of rates? When are we get to the bottom of rates and nothing we're looking at right now is showing us any indication that we're, we're we have not reached the bottom yet. And it's only going to get worse with contracts too, because the spread between the spot and the contract now is, is like 87 cents. Mm-hmm. And, as carriers are, are renewing their contracts with whoever their customers are, the customers are saying, Hey, we're getting offers at, you know, 50 cents lower. Can you, can you work with us on that? And they go, shit, no. Okay. Bye. And that might be their number one customer that's keeping them afloat. And that to me, that's where you're going to start seeing a lot more carriers wash out is when, when those contracts yeah. get renewed and they, they, they see the rates drop. One of the things that I find kind of fascinating is, um, you know, cause our Landstar, we have a lot of contract freight. You know, and I've and I've watched the rates, contract rates start to be adjusted, you know, and it's a hundred dollars here, a hundred and fifty dollars there, you know, on something that runs every week, 52 weeks a year, right? Um, and I was talking with an agent the other day and I said, Sometimes I wish the shippers would kind of learn their lesson, but they never do, right? They always get sucked into this bottom. Okay. Mm. Well, the you could have written a contract in February of 2020 for say 225 a mile. And by August, that contract wasn't worth a paper. It was wrote one. Right. Yeah. I mean, it just went quick. Cause it wasn't nobody going to touch it. It was five. It was six. It was $7 a mile. Um, but they never learn. They will get some, some bottom feeder that will come in and sign some stupid contract for some ridiculous rate, but they can't provide the service. Exactly. Right. Yeah, and it we, always comes back around where it's important. Our cost right now, we have all paid for trucks. We pay drivers on a percentage. We have an incredibly low fuel cost because we're at Landstar. Our cost per mile right now is a buck fifty-eight. Okay, it's probably come down a penny or two as fuel has dropped. We might be in the one fifty-five, one fifty-four right now. I think that's about as low as it can go because we run a very lean operation. Um, so I think that big picture mm-hmm. buck 50 is about as low as it could possibly go just because the cost of fuel is the cost of fuel, yeah. right? Cost, the cost of insurance is the cost of insurance. So when you add fuel insurance maintenance and, and labor, you're going to be at a buck 50 buck 75, especially if, now if you're leveraged, you know, not that it's not that it's any of my business, but how, how bad are you getting dinged on your uh, insurance right now? Cause I'm, I've been talking to a lot of guys that when they renew their policies this year, like they, they well, saw quite a, quite a jump. That's the beautiful thing about being at Landstar because okay. <laughs> Larry wow. came to Landstar in 2013. I came in 2014. You know how much our cargo liability has gone up? Hmm. Zero. Awesome. Zero. Zero. Yeah. Zero. So when everybody, you're giving 35% of your money. Okay. We're giving, we're exchanging 
35% mm-hmm. of the line haul for a trailer, for an agent pool, for billing, for corporate, for compliance, no factoring. I scan the paperwork on Monday. I get paid on Wednesday. We don't wait. We don't factor. We don't lose money, you know, uh, on 180 day terms. If Landstar never gets paid, we get paid, right? So when these people love to say, oh, well, you're giving away all that money. I promise you, sweetheart, you're spending more mm-hmm. than the 35% we're giving. By the way, it's Landstar giving us 65% of their money. By the way, it's not us giving Landstar 35% of our money. You know, there, there's an important distinction there. Um, but we hit we, people come to Landstar, they don't even read the damn contract, you know. Mm. And and there was a, this was fascinating. You'll love this. So a guy posted in a Facebook Landstar Facebook group today. He said, "Hey, listen, I, I see all this discussion about the percentage. Well, I just came from a company where I got ninety percent instead of sixty five, but I had to pay fifteen hundred dollars a week for insurance. Yep, yep. I had to pay five hundred dollars a week for a trailer. I come to Landstar, my insurance cost zero, my trailer cost zero." Our fuel discounts, I mean, my, I bet our average cost per mile of fuel right now is in the 40s. Hmm. The, the national average fuel surcharge this week was 46 cents. I promise you that if I averaged up our trucks for this week, we're going to be at or below the fuel surcharge. Hmm. We're making okay. money on the fuel surcharge. So that's, that's the thing that it's like I would love, I love having the conversation of least versus authority because there are significant differences that should be talked about. If your lifelong dream was to have your own numbers and build a, I don't know, a 5, 10, 15, 20 truck company under your own numbers, sales department, you're going out, you're booking freight, man, I got all the respect in the world for you. But if you want to be a single truck owner operator, and you're so dead set on having your numbers just because you don't want to say you're leased to a carrier. Yeah. I promise you you're spending more money than we're giving in that 35% that, that comes to Landstar because. Yeah. And you gotta, you gotta ask yourself, is the juice worth the, worth the squeeze? And no, I don't, hell no. some, some guys, you can't put a price on pride, but apparently you can <laughs> at the 90%. Well, Mark, Mark asked, how do you compete with a driver who only needs 83 cents per mile? Yeah. Okay. Like you just said, let's say our fuel cost is incredibly low. We get good fuel mileage and we have great discounts with Landstar. He can book that. Listen, you can do anything for a short period of time. I mean, I could do cocaine for a short period of time. I mean, I could, I could do heroin for a short period of time. So that's the problem in this cycle that nobody ever seems to learn a damn lesson. Um, I, here's a great, you'll love this. So I have, we have a customer at Landstar that I have been servicing since 2014. It's uh windows, ha- home windows. And I don't know, two or three years ago, I, I walked into the shipping manager's office and I said, Hey man, how are things going? He's guys, stupid truck drivers. <laughs> I said, what happened? That doesn't narrow it down much. <laughs> But he and I have a great relationship, you know, and, and listen, the only reason that, that, that agent has that contract today is because of me. When I came back to Landstar, they were, he was trying to get them to cover that thing and they wanted round trip. They wanted tolls paid. 
And he said, absolutely not, no way. And they said, what if we get Chris back? And he said, sold, right? I, 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 I made that much of an impression on him with my service level, okay? So I'm in his office and we're talking. He goes, let me show you something. And he pulls up this video footage that had been sent to him by one of the locations that received windows. You see a truck pull up, six o'clock in the morning. Driver opens the doors, takes out a window, a house window, and throws it across the fence. Hmm. And he goes, that's what I get for hiring cheap carriers. And I'm thinking, okay, whew, I'm safe. Um, so there will be, I have, I have a guy uh, right now, one of my new phase one guys that came to us from working with some Eastern European guys out of Chicago. Huh. <laughs> His stories are great, you know? And he was like, you know, I, he's like, man, I'm trying to take a 10 hour break. And they're like, Nope, you've got fresh hours. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll just, we'll just hit the button and yeah, we'll zap your logbook. Yeah. We'll just zap the logbook and Hey, Nope. You're not out of hours. You got plenty of hours. Go, go run that loop. I tell anyone that goes to those kind of carriers, if, if they can edit your logs, they can edit your paycheck. So hell yeah, be, they can beware. But they can sure in an environment like what is it? Is it Warren Buffett that says, "Be cautious when others are greedy. Be greedy when others are cautious." Hmm. I think that's Warren Buffett. Not the biggest Warren Buffett fan, but that's solid. Okay, because there will be a bunch in a market like this that will come, but they'll never ever last yeah it's not gonna happen there there's amazing twitter accounts um there's one called rust belt kid and we've we've talked back and forth for a bit where he's he's a uh, manufacturer up in the uh northern pacific northern peninsula in michigan and um he manufactures basically it's a type of rebar and <clears throat> the guys that like show up at his dock it'll, it'll be some guy wearing flip-flops and takes him 20 attempts to, you know, figure out how to get the trailer on the door. And he'll, he'll send videos to me. And he's like, if I could get a carrier who could just nail it on like the first or second try, he's like, I would hire that guy every single trip. But because of the, who I go through, they just send me like these like absolute idiots. that don't know what the hell they're doing. He's like, I, I need to find someone else I can use. And so we've, we've been working on, on helping them to find better carriers, but you're absolutely right. You get what you pay for sometimes as a shipper. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're, if you're, Booking these guys for for dirt cheap, well, chances are your stuff might might not get there on time, and we're seeing that right now with um, the ports. You know, all the all the protests happening on the west coast. Well, if I need to get my freight, I'm not worried about the protests. I'm going to reroute it through the Panama Canal, pay the extra cost, and I would I would rather deal with the extra cost, but the guarantee of it getting unloaded rather than you know maybe it sits offshore. Have you ever read Mark Levinson's book about the shipping container? Mm -mm. Oh, dude, it's textbooky. Mm -hmm. He's he's a nerd, so you kind of have to get through all of his charts. But he talks about the world in regulation and the world after regulation, and he gave this example, and you just hit on it that at one time it was so expensive to move freight across the United States that they would literally go down. I'm trying to think of the timeline. Might've been below South America. Might've been. Pre they would, it was cheaper 
to go around South America or through the Panama Canal, whichever it was, to get to the East Coast because it was so expensive to move it by train or truck across the United States because of the ICC and these yeah. stupid inflated uh, rates uh, that were set by the state. Well, I, when I, I when there's a great lady on TikTok, I haven't seen much out of her, Logistics. Um, she's fantastic. We interviewed her one time, but she's she does a lot with the ports and and she's very knowledgeable. And especially during the time when we had a hundred ships off the coast that couldn't even get into port because of all the backlogs. Um, but there were real problems because Jacksonville and Savannah didn't have deep enough ports mm. that the ships couldn't come, even if they wanted to, you know. So it was, you were kind of stuck because you, they, you know, they're, they've been trying for years in Jacksonville. Of course, DeSantis, oh, bring them here. Hey, buddy, th they're not coming, right? They can't. And, and they can't fit. We, they can't we, just, fit. we just had um, a lady from the Port of Baltimore on What the Truck Today, and she talked about the upgrades that they've done. You know, pre pandemic, they had six port calls there, and I think they're over 30 now, you know, so they, they did some extra dredging, and um, yeah, they're turning that into a world class port. Well, this is why I'm so excited about blockchain. Um, in 2017, I went down to Freight Waves and met with Craig and a bunch of the people. It was I, I, I'm thinking maybe it was to do what you're doing. Hmm. Um, it's, it's time timing didn't line up. What was it, what was it, what was the year of that? 17 okay. before okay. I came back to Larry, uh, which Larry loves to tell the story because I met Larry and was getting ready to come to him and Craig. Fuller called and I've got this fork in the road. Do I go with Larry? Do I go with Craig? You know, Larry's freaking out because I, I called him and I, I'm asking him advice. I'm like, well, man, this, this guy from freight waves, I mean, he just called. And of course I'm a blockchain nerd and we were doing the blockchain and transport Alliance thing at that time. And, and, you know, and I decided to go with Larry, which obviously was the right, the right choice. But I remember being down there and I mean, I don't even think they're in that building anymore, but I was talking to this guy, you know, I was, of course, I'm just amazed, you know, looking around, talking to people. There had been this article that had come out before that talking about the shippers that wasted the most truck time. Yeah. Right. And I'm talking to this guy and it was some, you know, Uber data nerd that Craig had hired and He's piling through all of this uh, metadata they're buying from the ELD people, right? Which was a game changer. Nobody wants yeah. to talk about that, but the, the 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 available data from these ELDs is awesome. Yeah, you know, yeah, you track, well, we you could track do all it. kinds of stuff on those. So I'm talking to him, and it was like, the, oh no, it was the city that wasted the most time, and I think it was Washington D.C. or something like that. This is the city that wasted the most time. I'm talking to this guy, and I'm like, "So wait a minute, you're getting all this data from these ELDs, so you can track the number of time that a truck stays on site somewhere." And he mm -hmm. goes, "Listen, I can't, I can, I can't just tell you the city. I can tell you the shipper." And he named him, and I went, "Oh, <laughs> well, that's a handy ass piece of information." But that's what excites me so much for blockchain, because given that blockchain is an immutable record, we can. there's a lot of things that we can change, a lot of data that we can monkey with and we can manipulate to suit whatever our personal agenda is. That shit's over with blockchain, right? Mm -hmm. So 
I'm I'm I am one hundred. Well, I'm a ninety two point three percent confident that if and when we move to a blockchain based transportation system, these bottom feeders will never make it because they're going to be trailing. They're going to be dragging immutable data behind them that says they're dirt bags, yeah. right? And I'm going to be, and I'm going to have an immutable record that says I'm a, I'm an excellent service provider. Here's my rate. Yeah. And it would, it would stop a lot of guys, you know, these ghost carriers, you know, if they get freight oh, yeah. or whatever, you know, yeah, it would, it would absolutely change uh double work ring. And it, and which, Hey, it's a, that's a problem that we have 100% got to fix. Yeah. I just would like to get people to understand we're not going to fix it with the government. Okay. They're not capable. They're not equipped. They did the, the state is not going to fix this problem. If they try to, all they're going to do is pour gasoline on a fire. They're going to pour nitromethane on a fire and make it a thousand times worse than it already is. It's a legitimate problem. But it comes back to don't get into shit that you don't understand. And I think a lot of double brokering happens because people are not, they're not equipped to do some of the things you're doing. And of course it's wide open for the scammers. Yeah. But you see people like Anique, you know, I don't know if you're aware of her, but she's phenomenal. But she can smell the double broker coming a mile away. She's like, hmm. No, I don't think so. You know, all, all you got to do is talk to people like her, uh, Paul Bernard, Jaroslavsky, guys from Freight Caviar. You know, they they deep dive into all this double brokering stuff. Paul actually went to um, uh, overseas and uh, like met some of these double brokers and like hung out and partied with them. Had a great time until he took his phone out and tried to do like a, a live Instagram, and then a bunch of dudes in like leather jackets showed up and was like, "Party's over." <laughs> <laughs> Who is that? I've got to write that down. Who is that? PBJ, Paul Bajard Jaroslowski. Uh goes by Freight Caviar. Freight. Oh, I'm writing that shit down. Caviar. Yeah, Freight Caviar. I told him I was like, that's not it. And he's so he's um Poland. He's Polish, I believe. And he's got like the accent and everything. And so I told him he sounds like the name Freight Caviar and you and the guy's like seven foot six. I mean, he's a monster. I was like, you look like a Bond villain with everything. Like, <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, we have um there there are a bunch, there's some Landstar agents that have uh, people that work for them in Eastern Europe or whatever. And my stance on is I don't, you get me a freight bill. I don't give a shit. I don't, yeah. I couldn't care less where you are. And we literally had a eight, a Landstar agent killed by a drone strike in Syria. No shit. A few wow. years back. Now I've, I've lost the, or I've, I've dug around on the internet and I found mention of it, but dudes in like near Aleppo, right. Where mm. all the, all the crazy shit was happening in Syria yeah. and they dropped a, a drone bomb on his house and, and killed him. Right. But listen, you get me a freight bill and I can go pick up a load and deliver it. I couldn't give a flying fuck where you live. It yeah. doesn't matter to me. Are some of them hard to understand? Yes. Do I have to go, Hey, Hey, slow down, slow down, Vladimir, you know, but I've got a couple of these guys on speed dial when I'm in a pickle. And I'll be like, hey, bro, hey, Joe, which name's obviously not Joe, you know, hey, Joe, uh, I need a load. Well, dude, he'll, he'll dig around, you know, C.H. Robinson, TQL, hell, I don't care. Yeah. Get me a load. Get me a freight bill. I'll haul some bitch. 
I don't care. I'm not offended because someone is in another country booking freight for me. For me, right. I need freight. Give me the freight. Then I, I couldn't give a shit less. Now, let me say this real quick. If you have a negative opinion of Landstar, there's a real, real, very simple way to fix that. <clears throat> Don't haul Landstar freight. You're welcome. Problem solved. I just fixed it for you. Yeah, the, the, the my way or the highway attitude is very, um, it's very hard to kill off. Oh, yeah. Well, what we see a lot of times is people are willing to blame anyone except the guy in the mirror. Yep. That they never, you know, oh, it's the broker's fault or, you know, it's Biden's fault or Trump's fault or, you know, I think Obama's been gone long enough. Nothing's his fault anymore. You know, um, look, guys, if, if you succeed in business, your fault. If you fail, also your fault. Yeah. There's, and there's no way around it. There's an old Reagan speech. <clears throat> I believe it was, a, it was either a joke or it's based on a true story about the Soviet Union, but he was talking about how um, the, the new prime minister of the Soviet Union takes power. And this predecessor leaves him two letters inside his desk. He says, day one, open up the first letter. He says, what do I do with the second letter? He says, you'll know when the day comes. So he opens up the first letter. And it's a piece of paper. And it just says, blame everything on me. He's like, all right. <laughs> and then later on in his reign, the riots are happening. People want his head. So he's like, okay, time to open the second letter. The second letter says, write two letters. <laughs> <laughs> That's gold. That's gold. <laughs> Listen, I, I've been in trucking 25 years. I, I can't get away from it. You know, um, I, it's a fantastic, dynamic, interesting way to make a living. Yeah. Um, and I've spent about 10 hours today working on a truck, which, by the way, let me get everybody an update because I made a TikTok about this earlier. No, I have not found the problem that I've been chasing for two weeks. Let me check my Discord because I actually posted in there about your video. I was hoping to get some help for you. Oh, God, see if we have somebody that's a diesel mechanic. I listen. This it's it's getting ready. You know, it's getting ready to be a Roman candle. You know, um, and and it which you know it, it goes to the problem of, of of dealing with shops and mechanics. Yeah, nothing yet. Damn it. But it's um, it's so frustrating because I I get an A for effort because I've done most, with the exception of replacing the turbo, I've done everything else. And hell, I, I spent most of the day putting a damn wiring harness on a thing thinking, oh, this has got to be it, you know, <laughs> and it didn't work with a shit. Damn it. Um, but I'd still rather have this 2006 Freightliner than a 2024. You know, because yeah, yeah. I know we're going to fix it. You know, I know we're going to fix it. Um, somebody's going to come along and be like, oh, right there. You know, and this Mud Monkey guy has been tagged a thousand times in my video. So, Mud I guess Monkey, you, guess you got to go find monkey, him. Where are you? <laughs> uh, paging Mud Monkey. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's crazy. Um, but it's such a fantastic way to make a living. 
I think part of the problem is you, you people, a lot of people that are drawn to the industry are, are nomadic yeah. kind of independent loners. Um, when I, I went to uh, Missouri to pick up a truck, uh, we bought one of those toters that goes on the fifth wheel mm-hmm. and Larry drove me up there to Indianapolis and I get in this truck and the first day I drove nine hours in silence. I didn't listen to a podcast. I didn't take a phone call. I didn't listen to music. I just drove nine hours in absolute silence. And it was like the greatest day of 2023. Just, you know, white noise. Oh, I kind of missed, I, you know, because that's the one thing about driving that I really miss. I don't get to listen to podcasts anymore. You know, I try to when I'm mowing grass and then the phone rings and then, you know, some driver, something happens to a driver and all hell breaks loose and, um, but this is a great way to make a living, but buddy, if you do it wrong, yeah. it will destroy you. Yeah. And what's great too, is when you do it right, there's any number of directions you go to. I mean, you talk to any 10 drivers and you get their history and where they go either while they're still trucking or post trucking. I mean, there's the numbers are, or options are limitless. You know, there, are, there was no way they would have found somebody like me with my background and my experience prior to trucking, that was a truck driver. Um, unless I had gone through, through trucking, you know, mm-hmm. all kinds of people go into the industry and all kinds of people find their way through it and out of it to find something else on the other side. You know, if you, uh, really like dealing with operations or dispatch, you know, you, you can find ways of dealing with that as a driver. Um, there's no better feeling than driving for somebody, or having a dispatcher who they, who they themselves were a driver. That was a great, you know, Steve, the, the owner of Green Valley Transportation, he himself was a driver uh, back in the day. So that 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 um, makes you really feel like you're not just, you know, a number, like a mega carrier. Yeah. And that really carries over. Yeah. Well, when, I, when my truck broke and I went to Swift, I was like, wow, this is easy. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have to put loads. Yeah. If it breaks, I'll just call somebody. Like I, yeah. I, it was, it was, it was a very therapeutic 30 days, uh, because I'm like, well, hell, I don't have to do Jack. I can just <laughs> drive this truck. You know, it was kind of cool. Um, but, but you're it, not growing, you're not doing it. That's right. what happened. That's kind of what drove me out of the post office is like, I was literally set for life. I could have lived very comfortably doing that job till the day I retired, but, um, doing what I'm doing now, like I, I wouldn't be able to talk to guys like you doing this. I wouldn't be able to talk to. You know, we're coming up to our um, future supply chain uh, festival uh, in a couple of weeks in, in um, uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Like, I would never go to events like that. Even just, I go there because I'm a, I'm a freightways employee and I have a great time. But also, like, events like that aren't really geared towards truck drivers. So it's right. really fun going there as a driver. Mm-hmm. And I get to talk to these companies that who, like, when I talk to autonomous trucking companies, they have like their whole little song and dance they do, either because they're selling, they're doing it. To salespeople or to journalists, whatever. There's not a lot of tr- autonomous trucking companies that talk to truck drivers. So when I get to talk to them, they don't know who I am. They might not. Might, they might not know. May may know who I am now. But early on, um, I talked with like the guys from Gaddick, great guys. But I'm asking them questions like I would ask as a driver. And I, after three or four questions, they're like, "Wait a minute, who are you? What are you? No, you can't look at the truck. Please, please, please don't." And I was like, "No, no, no, no. I'm, I'm with Freightways. I'm, I'm, I'm on. I'm on. I'm not here to like bust your guys' balls or anything, but." It's just fun to like go to events like this as a truck driver because I get to, yeah. you know, well, there talk is, with you guys. And, and I see it with Landstar and I saw it with other people. Uh, and I think I think I haven't just 
conversation with Craig Fuller years ago. There is a disconnect because those corporate people kind of have their own language. Yeah. Um, they, you know, and they have these terms and vocabulary that they use that normal people just can't understand. Makes perfect sense to them, you know? Um, and so that I think having someone like you at freight waves will help bridge that gap for the guy, you know, cause Craig's got that corporate language. He grew up in it. His dad was Max Fuller, you know, but regular, regular folks don't, don't talk in those terms. And so it's hard for them to not hear Charlie Brown's mom, you know, and their brain shuts off. Oh, the the first time they like walk me through sonar and and, like dealing with spot rates and this is that my brain just like just melted and went out my ear. Yeah. And, and then, but of course they have, they're talking to investors. They're talking to the sec types and the wall strike wall street types. And they have to speak in those languages uh, that and most of that stuff don't mean jack shit to us, you know. Yeah. Uh, but if you're going to be in business, you better start understanding some of that stuff. Yes, you know, because yes. if you don't, you're going to be lost. Yeah. Um, and I, I was pretty good at bridging that gap at the post office too, because like I was a driver there. But then when I be, became a supervisor, I got to see basically how the sausage was made from like one end to the other. So you get drivers that complain about all the bullshit that they got to deal with and supervisors complaining about all the bullshit that they got to deal with. And then you can, you can come together and be like, guys, we're all dealing with the same bullshit and you know, we, we can work, we can, we can make all this work. We need a, we need a South park episode about trucking. Somebody call mm. Trey. Yeah. That would be gold. You know, just, I'll be, just, I'll, <laughs> I'll be a consultant a, on that episode. Absolutely. Yeah. That would be awesome. <laughs> I, um, you know, I, now I tell you this: there's a zero percent chance that I would be doing what we're doing if we were just hauling freight. There is absolutely no way, no chance that I would um, buy trucks just to haul freight and hire drivers. The only reason I do this is the training and mentoring program. You yeah. know. Um, when, when Larry and I were, we were six or eight months in, he had a, a, a spare truck come up and we just hired this guy. And he, of course he had a sad story and he'd work for other BCOs and they didn't treat him right. And they didn't pay him right. And Larry's like, well, you know, big hearted Larry. Well, you don't have to worry about that here. And of course the guy was useless. Um, and then we hired another one. Um, and he was equally useless. And it came a point. I said, Larry, listen, brother, I, I thank you. Thank you for everything you've taught me. But if these idiots are what we have to deal with, no, thank you. I will buy a truck. I've, I've learned my lesson. I've, I've gotten all the great thing from you. I can, I could have 150 grand income as a, as an independent. I'm good. No, thank you. I drug him onto the podcast against his will. And the phone started ringing with people <laughs> going, well, Hey, I'm interested in learning. And we're yeah. like, <gasps> there's people that are injured. What the hell? Because they're, they're, they want to completely turn. Yeah, not just drive, yeah. but actually grow and learn. Yeah, yeah. Now there's been a few that's shown up that said they wanted to learn, and that was a lie. <laughs> um, there was a few that showed up, and I tried to murder them in the first couple of weeks, and they're like, "This guy's crazy." I'm not because because my fault was saying, "Well, help." There's nothing special about me. If I can do it. You can do it. Well, that's not true. There's a yeah. There's a lot of like I said. There, there, there definitely are people that should never be behind the wheel, 
and how you get them, how you filter that out before they're already behind the wheel and learning, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. I have no idea. The first person to solve that is going to solve so much turnover in the industry and they'll be a millionaire. Well, we have said many times that we will not hire former BCOs. Hmm. And we break that rule over and over and over again. <laughs> um, and every time they say, nope, I'm the one. Uh, I'm, you know, dude, we had a guy last year. His truck was literally getting repossessed. Like oh. we're in the interview process. And he's like, well, they're coming to get my truck next week. And, <laughs> and we're like, okay. And, and I said, listen, we don't hire, we don't, we don't, we have a policy against hiring former BCOs. No, no, listen, I've, 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 I've obviously seen that my decisions are not the best. I need you guys to teach me everything that I need to know. He came, he spent a weekend, a son of a bitch drove the truck to Wisconsin and abandoned it. And I had uh, to go get it. Oh, uh, you know, so yeah. our, our, we're like, we're like eight and O on former BCOs. Mm. Um, and we swear that we'll never do it again. And then big hearted Larry, uh, we'll hear one of them and, oh, okay, we'll come on in. And it's a disaster. Tough, damn uh, it. Which you um, would think they learn, but they don't. So, no, we should probably get wrapping it up soon. My wife's already telling me, like, hey, what's going oh, okay. on? Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm well, not, believe me, I could go on for hours and hours yeah. and hours. It's, it's a problem of mine. <laughs> I, looked at, I looked at the back catalog of some of your previous episodes and I saw they were like hour and a half. And I see we're at 210 now. So, yeah, man, time flies. Well, it was. I'm. I'm so glad you came. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, yeah this has been great. Good, good getting to know you and, and meet you and see where you came from. Uh, well, let let me do a a quick um. A quick. Where did I do with the? Uh, oh gosh, where is it? There we go. Uh, everyone, I want to update you that Carl is still struggling. Um, Carl's a mechanic that that the, the greatest single living mechanic I've ever met in my life. He's. Uh, needing a double lung transplant. Um, he's, mm. he's still struggling, not doing well. Uh, they could use your help. So scan the QR code there. Um, and quickly let me make mention of our friends at Pittsburgh power. Um, I can't get things off of, uh, Pittsburgh power is still our sponsor, our good friends. So let them know about us. Go check out Justin on what the truck, uh, Wendy, you, what's your all posting schedule y'all doing this so, every day or yeah you know, the show is every monday wednesday and friday at noon eastern um i'm on there most wednesday usually wednesdays um at uh, 12 30 dooner might pull me on an occasional monday or friday episode here and there uh yeah so you can find us uh, on uh freight waves youtube channel uh to watch that it's also live streamed on um uh twitter facebook tiktok i mean basically anywhere you, you live stream you can watch it um anything on uh, the what the truck Twitter, ninety percent of it's probably me. Dooner does a lot of the posting on there too. Uh, my personal Twitter handle is at Super Trucker. The name is ironic, I promise. <laughs> That's <laughs> I had, great. I, I, had to keep, I had to keep telling the guys at at um, at SiriusXM like, please stop introducing me on the air as Super Trucker because like I made the name as a joke, and they, <laughs> they're, they're like, no, this is Super Trucker Justin Martin. And it's like, I'm like, no, awesome. I made it as a joke. Please, I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I appreciate you being here. Hopefully, Larry will make it back from Vegas and be with us next weekend. Yes, yeah, um, Larry. And uh, so, uh, well, anyway, that's it's yeah. I've had a hell of a day, yeah. so I'm ready for bed. So, good luck with good luck with that engine, man. everyone. Be good and be safe. We'll see y'all next Friday night.